And now, introducing two men who were thrilled to see that their master plan to sabotage the 2021 MLB All-Star Game broadcast went off without a hitch as they were frankly shocked that nobody found and turned off the cell phone alarm that they set and hid in Joe Buck's suit pocket. Although they're still awaiting an official answer, they're confident that Rob Manfred will do the right thing and, quote, institute a super all-star break, unquote, in order to give Shohei Otani some actual time off after he carried baseball on his back for the entirety of the time in Colorado. They are not Glenn Clark. Uh, indeed. Good morning. Glenn Clark Radio, Glenn Clarkless Radio, whichever you prefer. Uh, it is still Glenn Clark Radio. He's just not here. He will be gone for another eight. I don't know how this works. Eight days? That sounds about right. Seven days. That's what it is. As he is in Georgia currently with his kids and father and visiting his grandfather. I guess I saw some pictures. Looked like he's having a very nice time, and I'm happy that he's enjoying himself down there. Uh, yeah, we are live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Pressbox. Uh, Glenn Clark Radio, as always, is brought to you by Window Nation. And right now, get 50% off all styles of windows, plus no money down. Make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com and tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. Had quite the morning this morning. My, my tire is flat. Uh, I don't know exactly how that happened, but I had to take old ride share in here. Not sharing a ride, but you know what I mean. I'm not going to give them free promotion. Uh, got here a little late. Kind of scrambling right now, but we are here, KZ. We're here. We're we are here. here. It's a miracle between everything yeah, you, you had, had this morning, yeah. everything I got going on this week, that, that we are here. We are indeed. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, uh, all-star game. Look, it, it, it was fun. Uh the Major League Baseball did the right thing in figuring out how to get Otani to hit and pitch at the same time. Uh, it was cool to see that. Uh, in talking, in, in listening to the other players at the All Star Game, they're as thrilled about it as everybody else is. Like, like they're just is a marvel yep. to them, and it's like so cool for them to see that situation. Um, the home run that uh, Vlad Jr. hit was just like, oh, and, and the fact that they were speaking to Tatis sure. at the same time. and he just talk about that whole he, bit. He, he, he kind of just put his hands on his head like, oh, my God. It was one of those, like, you just turn because of where they how they had the mics, yeah. even if you weren't watching, you just oh, kind of yeah. turned right away like, what the heck was that? No, it was, uh, the it pitchers was a moonshot, as they say. The pitcher's reaction was priceless. So, What you did know, you think about the whole mic'd up situation? I hate it. I, I, I can't it, imagine it like being easy I, for a player. When they, when they talk to Bogarts at bat, I know. that's where I was like, well, are you yeah, serious yeah. right I mean, now? in the field, I think, okay, at bat, shut up. Let the man hit. <laughs> You know, asking the and then the uh, Bucks just asked the same question. What are you looking for here, fastball? I mean, come on, how right. many times are you gonna ask the same question yeah, and no. realize? And then, and then uh, after Tatis is a bat, he still look. The man's upset. He just missed a home run. Totally. And you're still talking to him. He's in the dugout talking to his team. It's like, well, it you go. saw the real perils of it when Liam Hendricks yeah. closed out the game in the ninth. And evidently he couldn't hear, or he claims he couldn't hear Joe Buck. So he was assuming that his mic was not really working. Right. But he swore a couple times. Right. Which made it entertaining, And I Judge suppose. did it as well because he gets on base, of course. He doesn't know that, that uh, what's-his-name is mic'd up. 
um, at first base, Freddie Freeman. Right. So and yep. Freeman's got to tell him, oh, by the way, we're Mike Dobbins. Yeah, no, imagine like, that. Yeah. Imagine that maybe Major League Baseball players might swear. Yeah, I mean, but it wasn't. I mean, it was just whatever. It, I, was, I, you know, it was entertaining I, enough. The I game was fun. Cedric right. Mullins being in the game, being involved was yeah, neat. It, it was, was neat. cool to see him score, which he could have gotten a base hit. But all things considered. Um, Should have been a base hit. Never thrown him out from there. I hear you. I You're probably right, but it's it was an error. It's yeah. an all-star game, though. Yeah. It's like, come on. Are we really – Yeah, I know. Do we really want to give guys errors in the all-star game unless it's blatant? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, Young Jack is here, as always. Appreciate his efforts throughout the week as he uh, will contribute his two utes segment later on. And, I, Jack, you mind grabbing that from the printer if you don't? I hope part of his two utes, there was lots of discussion about the uh, uniforms. Yeah. Um, online. Um you know, lots of people. Uh, not, I thought they not were all right. Them. It wasn't like an atrocious look. I do think that when people complain about the overlapping uh, initials yeah. with the logos, I can hear that argument, and it definitely would be better. Thank you, sir. If they were split between the both sides of the jerseys, um, I understand also the, I guess, criticism of people who say that it should just be their regular uniforms, I and get that's that. part of the. Yeah. You know, the spectacle of an all-star game is seeing all the guys wearing their, you know, playing together. And, that, you know, I hear that, but I also have memories of the all-star games when I was younger where they had uniforms. Right, and, right. And it's, American so not, and national. I mean, that's right. what they said on them. So, so. I, look, I, I had said, I had said uh, you know, uh, f- as far as youth goes, my son, he goes, oh, they're kind of cool. I was like, there you go. That's what they're looking for. They're not looking to sell it to me. They're not looking to sell it to said uh sure. said older radio media personality no. who didn't like them believe it or not they, KZ, they, they didn't have you in mind they they, 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 the they want the the youth to to the say they're cool yeah and you know uh mine was like oh i like the blue ones better than the white ones but they're kind of cool i like the hats I didn't. Uh, see, I kind of like the hats. I didn't. With the little star coming out of the logos. Didn't do it for me. Uh, well, Jack, what do you think about the jerseys? Did you see the jerseys? Yeah, I did. I actually I made a comment yesterday that I did like the blue ones better. I thought they were I thought they were pretty cool. They were, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. I I mean, like I'm not going to go out and buy a jersey. Right. But like, right I'm a but fan it, of the two-button uh, pullover. Like, I, do their, so, I think they're more comfortable, frankly. So, And my son said exactly the opposite. He goes, he goes I, don't, I don't like the jerseys that aren't all full-button straight down. I'm like, okay, I, that, that's fine. Yeah. But these look like they're more lightweight and right. probably kind of Dry more comfortable stuff like for, that. for the guys in a, in a situation like this. So, you know, I, I just whatever. It's it's a it's an exhibition it's supposed to be fun. Um, you know, you had some fun moments uh, during it. You had some good conversations between, you know, uh some of the players. Yeah. Uh, I liked when Guerrero almost uh, killed uh, Scherzer. He kind of came up and gave him a little hug. Yeah. Afterwards, like, hey, you know, and, and it just just showing that it, it is a game and it's supposed to be fun. No doubt. No doubt. You know, all things considered, entertaining enough. It wasn't, yep. uh, you yeah. know, I mean, it wasn't particularly close in the end. Although they did have some men on base in the ninth, and so you thought maybe there's a chance, but. You know, it was it was what we thought it would be, and Cedric Mullins being involved and running out the center field as a starter was definitely very neat. cool. Uh, and I understand the criticisms of them not having Trey Mancini involved, particularly after his incredible home run derby showing and the stand up for cancer yep. bit. But look, it is what it is. I think that you could make arguments both sides. Right on a night where they were honoring Hank Aaron and talking about the accomplishments that he had in his incredible major league career and the barriers that he broke down in the process, I don't think it's a bad thing. 
to have a black player starting in the All-Star game in Cedric Mullins. So, no, not at all. You know, it's you can't win, you can't uh, you, lose. You know what I mean? People are going to find something right. to criticize about. Some of the other things outside the All-Star game that kind of came out of baseball yesterday is that some of the rules that we're seeing this year that are – supposedly going away for next year, the end of the seven-inning yeah, uh, doubleheader. I'm fine with that being gone, but them getting rid of the man on second and it's extra worked. innings It's is, worked. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, 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 Yes, the baseball purists won't like it. I, but I, the baseball purists also can't like what baseball has become. Correct. Three outcome. And look, I initially was against it. I thought that it was gimmicky and it would probably annoy me, but frankly, it has been far more entertaining to see a game go to extra innings with this format than it was otherwise, where it was essentially swing for the fences and hope you hit a walk-off. So I hope they will reconsider to an extent. Uh, I don't know what factors into their decisions, who they are asking, and frankly, I don't know what groups would support keeping it but we've talked to a baseball people like buck showalter himself i think he said that no they're playing baseball when yeah, that happens yeah. like it's forcing you to actually play the game and correct make baseball decisions whether it be a hit and run whether it be move the runner over all of that and so, you and you can't I, I i mean again i haven't done any studies on these but it's had to lower the number of innings you're playing in in, in extra innings it, it's just by the sheer nature no of doubt. it. No doubt. Oh, there's I mean, no doubt. There are far I mean, fewer 16, 17. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I think that the 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 reason for the rule is to save bullpens and, and things like that and, and and not have the games go four or five hours and play 16, 17 innings and things like that. So to me, the rule works. And I that's the one thing, you know, I kind of like the rule as being a softball guy, uh, you know, because that's the rule we play in after eight innings. Uh Always liked the rule. Thought it thought it was you know sped up the game a little yeah. bit, um, and I didn't. I haven't seen like I I haven't seen anything wrong with it. So I, I don't I don't get other than just people being get off my lawn. Essentially, yeah, and, and, saying, and look, you know, I, I admit it. I'm in yeah. that part of my life, but th- this is not one of those situations that that I Agreed. think is a problem. I agree. All right. So this morning, uh, we know for sure. We will chat with Susie Petricelli at 1040. She is a former Harvard soccer player who went through some trials and tribulations to get where she is now. And she wrote a memoir detailing her journey and her current fight for equity in women's soccer uh, as far as pay is concerned and kind of breaking down barriers in general. I read a little bit of that. It is a very interesting read and look forward to talking to her just about you know, her journey to this point and uh, what sp- like spurred all of this. Correct. Um, so we were supposed to talk at 11 o'clock with Tyler Nevin. Evidently, they are in Memphis. Oh. So there was a bit of a time zone issue at hand here, and there oh. could be a situation where we don't chat with Tyler Nevin. I'm hoping we still will later in the 11 a.m. hour, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we are scheduled to chat with Anthony Tark. At 11.20. A lot of scheduling going yeah. on today. <laughs> at 11.20. Uh, have yet to fully confirm that that will be happening, but uh, fingers crossed that we will have guests in the 11 a.m. hour this morning. If we don't, and then we're going to be talking a lot of baseball draft and stuff. And it's football, perhaps, as well. Yeah, yeah. We can, we but can we'll do, make it work. Do a little thing. We're we professionals. Got a, we we got can a, make it work. We got a basketball game tonight. Indeed. Indeed we do. Well, not us, but not there us, is but an there NBA is Finals a, game. There's yes. something to watch. Yes. Yep. So um, I guess first things first, let's talk about 
the Orioles draft now that it is all in hindsight. We have seen all 20 rounds go by. We chatted with Nick Falaris from 2080 Baseball yesterday, and he told us about how they should be able to pay, you know, two to three overslot guys, some high upside high school guys, and we were looking forward to maybe seeing who those might be. Well, they were none of them. Um, I don't want to be an alarmist. I don't want to do the thing that I, I still don't know and it's not, nobody really does. I mean, they know, the Orioles hopefully, what it's going to cost to sign all of these guys. And there are some, you know, atypical uh, uh, overslot guys that could qualify as such in their draft. The, the Reeves, the Rhodes, uh, the 20th round guy, the Craig, I believe his last name was, Juco guy. Guys yes. who have eligibility Correct. to return to college and have some leverage in negotiations. Um, I did exchange some texts with Nick Falaris yesterday after the draft to just kind of gauge his reaction to see whether I was right to be a bit perturbed by the players that they had selected, whether or not it did seem as though they were just kind of penny-pinching and trying to save money and, and were not planning on spending their entire allotment. Um, I wasn't exactly told that I was crazy, right? Like, he was a bit confused as well about the way it all went down. He did say that it's clear they trust their model. And in a year where the data and information for high school players is even less than normal due to the pandemic... And all of the information that they had at hand, it could simply be a factor of them trusting their models and needing there to be substantive amounts of information to base their decisions off of. Now, any overreaction one way or the other the day after the draft is done is going to do you no good. I mean, we will not know what the net result of the 2021 MLB draft is for the Baltimore Orioles until years from now. And it could prove that Mike Elias and company knocked this out of the park and secured, you know, the next John Means, the next Cedric Mullins, and some incredible talent and value with the picks at which they selected. And there certainly are some interesting names among the group that were drafted yesterday. Um, that being said, I understand frustration from fans who question why there weren't more stereotypical overslot guys. Is it a, you know, I believe it was in the 19th round that Will Taylor got drafted. And right. granted, I'm at 19th round, whoever drafted him was probably just a hope and a prayer. Hope and a prayer. Right. Like, uh, maybe we can work something out. But um, if that $2 million to $2.3 million range that they had saved in the first day or two was accurate, then you're, you are struggling to figure out where that money's being stretched and, and put toward with the following 10 rounds. Yeah. So I, I, I'll say this, I'll, I'll say this, that the, I think there's some assumptions that we're all making with, with the first pick in Cowser. Yeah, um, and there's no guarantee you know, there's that he no, is over. And, that, and that's one of the things. Um, and and I'm sorry that that I don't remember one of the 10 million people that I've listened to on broadcasts uh -huh. the name. But you know, he brought up you know the 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 overslot underslot that some teams you know went with, and 
he was talking about the Orioles, and he's like, I, I, I think – I think some people are going to overestimate how much money they saved by taking Kowser. You know, this is a kid that was the fifth overall pick that if you believe different people that rank these guys, he was as high as the seventh-ranked player. Did you really have $2 million to to go with? And with any draft, any draft in any sport, you may have targets that you're trying to grab Mm -hmm. and – you know, use some extra money, and somebody grabs them right before you. Uh, we don't know the exact situation. Here's what we do know. They made 10 picks yesterday. Yep. Eight of them were pitchers. College pitchers. Nine yep. of them were college players. Yep. They did not. The other one was a Juco player. It's not yeah, like, and a Juco, know, right. right. But they really didn't dip in in this draft. I think they schooler. took two high schoolers. I one. Think, Just one. I thought they took Catcher. one. I thought the catcher could. in the eighth or ninth round was the only high schooler that they drafted. Oh, the other Ryan Long. I thought he was a high schooler, but, have to, but maybe not. But maybe not. I don't think so. I mean, I looked from at Pomona Pitzer. Is that a college? I think that's a college. Oh, I I took it as a high school, but that's okay. <laughs> that that that's not a that's not a here or there. Um, but so they took one high school player, and maybe it goes back to their model. They did not have enough data on some of these guys, especially in the later rounds. Um, and they went with guys that you would think being coming out of college could have a quicker track to the major leagues. We'll see. They took a lot of really big, strong kids. No doubt. Um, you Look, know. That, the, 20th, uh, the 20th round pick, the Craig kid who yeah. was a Juco, was right. committed to play at Ole Miss, I believe, and – I mean, there's a lot to like. You see him batting yeah. over 400 and slugging over 600, Absolutely. and he's a big, hulking frame. And I'm not criticizing the players that they drafted. I want to be clear. I don't know anything don't know about anything these about players. Them, yeah. Now, I think that there are some interesting names. The uh, D2 pitcher they took in the 11th, um, Wire, I think his name was, or something like that. I, you know, names are not KZ's forte, and they're certainly not mine in this instance. But he was widely considered to be, if not the best, one of the best D2 arms in this draft. And uh, I know he played in the uh, MLB Draft League, which is actually the league that the Frederick Keys are a part of. And he impressed there as well. He's got a live fastball, and there's a lot to like about him. And so I will defer to Elias and company, but the, the fear that fans have that... The rebuild is just code for a spendthrift approach. Correct. Was not assuaged, right? Like, nothing they did in the course of the draft through rounds 1 through 20 signal that the Orioles are, are looking to spend big. Now, they might use the entirety of their allotment. I know that the director of player scouting was talking about how they plan to use a major portion and what that means. It's kind of vague, right? Is that 80%? Is that 75%? Is that 95%? I don't know. I don't know know that they know. How much money are you leaving on the table is the bottom line. I don't know that they know either, right? They're not going to really tip their hand too much entering these negotiations because this is what this is. This is a negotiation period now. So... For all we know, they are fully prepared to spend 100% of their allotment. But if for some reason they weren't prepared to do that and entered the draft with the intention of leaving money on the table, then there's cause for criticism. I I do believe that. Um, 
and that's you know that that's separate from the fact that the guys they drafted could hit. You could also make the argument that due to the nature of the timeline, due to where Adley Rutschman is and how far away we think he is, and that's not very far from being nope. a Major League Baseball player, that the guys they were drafting, they were hyper-focused on them being available in that window. Or for as many of them are going exactly. to end up being Major League players, to be threatening the Major League level at the time when the likes of Rutschman, Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, and Hendrick, all of those guys are threatening as well. And, you know, that's logical. I don't see why that wouldn't be logical. That goes back toward what Glenn said when he talked about the first-round pick as a whole, that he didn't understand the idea that a high school pick would fit within the timeline and a college player just made more sense due to that timeline. Um, yes, I hear you. I, that's That's practical. I understand that argument and... For all we know, that was also a large factor in where the Orioles were coming from. Now, I think it's reasonably safe to assume the Orioles trust their model. They trust their system and their analytics and the information that goes into evaluating these players. Um, okay. I have really no choice other than to fall in line and say, I hope they're right. I hope that their model proves to be correct and that the players they drafted really were the best players available and that they were worthy of foregoing some of maybe the higher ceiling players that we as sports fans find ourselves sort of falling in love with. And that's another point in and of itself, right? We are obsessed with potential. We are obsessed with upside, but that neglects the downside of these players as well and the risk that's involved. And in a year where, as I mentioned, the risk was even higher due to the, the, the smaller amount of information at hand, um, it's not my place to tell them they were wrong. But if it turns out that they left millions of dollars or a million plus on the table, I will be slightly annoyed. I, I can't pretend. I, I mean, I will be. It's, you know, that's yeah. just the reality. I... I I, I I like your word of slightly because maybe I'll be slightly annoyed, but I, I'll I'll just be honest. I don't know enough about these guys. You know, sure. like you said, the Rhodes kid could be a guy that they have to pay a little bit more to to bring in because he is what's he a junior? You're going to be a he, junior. He was a sophomore. Well, I know Reeves was a sophomore at Southern Miss. Yeah. Um, and Rhodes was. I mean, a 20-year-old junior. Right, I mean, he, right. would, he was turning 21 in August, so he's on the particularly young side. Right. So, but maybe they have to he's do He's a sophomore, too, I believe. Yeah, but I just, you know, it... it there's overslot they, guys they, in yeah, the there's group. There's overslot. Like yeah, there, there are. There right. are. They're, They're just they, not the conventional... And I, and I just look at, you know, look, the, it looks like a lot of other teams use this strategy to a degree. Looks like the Pirates did it mm -hmm. to a T. Maybe so. Well, Pirates did it in the more conventional overslot way, targeting the high school type players. Correct. Now, that's more what we are used to. Correct. But again, when I talk about, I think that the this is a very unique draft. The guy, right. there was no Cape Cod League last year. There were not the uh, the requisite high school seasons to get enough information on these players to really feel confident in what they were. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't forego maybe some of the more talented players in this draft, right? That, that, that means that they deemed it perhaps too risky. And, you know, 
it's not my place to say they're right or wrong. Again, five years from now, if it turns out right. that well, well, the high yeah. school guys they passed up on in rounds 11 through 20 are the best players in this draft, you know, cause for criticism. But if that's paired with the fact that some of these college arms that they picked are legitimate starters in the big leagues, and granted it's not all that common that you find a college player in the 11th through 20th that is going to end up being a top-of-the-rotation guy. I mean, John Means is more the exception than the rule in that case. Correct. But I will defer to Elias and company, and it's really all we can do right now. You can see how we're – I mean, look, we do this in all drafts. We do this with the Ravens draft. Look, we we sit and do these draft shows, and I criticize some picks. But at the end of the day, I hope they're successful. Of course, we 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 just none of this means we're not rooting. No, for we're them rooting to for we're rooting for everybody. Right. I mean, I I hope this. You know, they got this kid uh, Van Loon out of uh, University of California. Okay, mm-hmm. right-handed pitcher, six five two ten. Supposedly throws really really hard. Mm-hmm. Hope he's a sure. future closer. Yeah. Okay, but and at the same in time, in my discussion with Nick Valera, one of the things that he brought up as far as the perplexing aspect of their draft was you know the the idea that they would take two college seniors in rounds 4 and 5 right that is normally a telltale sign that you are trying to save money you know those guys have no leverage right. to return back right. to you, school they're coming to you so that would indicate, okay, we're going to spend later. And, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it, on that's the surface, it's slightly it confusing. Yeah, on the surface, it doesn't look like they spent later. So, so. you know, I, I, would be, I would be lying if I told you that I was not slightly disappointed with the draft yesterday. That's just the truth. But okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. So I will also acknowledge that. It's me, the baseball fan, and me, the guy, particularly myself. I'm, I am infatuated with potential. I am infatuated with projectability and ceiling and the idea that you have, you know, secured a player who was a first-round talent. And that is with the disclaimer that I, again, don't know what I'm talking about, about these players or about the decisions that are being made. And so... If they trust their model and these are the guys that were the best players on the board when they picked, then I will just sort of shut up and and let it play out. I just want to find – I'm going to go back and find tape of Keegan Gillies. Yeah. He's a uh, right-handed pitcher out of Tulane. He's 6'8", 255. I want to see this kid on a mount and what this looks like. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, this is this is like Randy Johnson plus well, like think forty pounds. I think if it was Randy Johnson, he probably would have been drafted a bit. But earlier. I mean, size, correct? Size, correct? I mean, and and what Randy Johnson looked like, mm-hmm. like in a batter's box yes. with him coming. I want to see what this guy. Well, and even if he doesn't throw ninety eight, you're talking about a guy who throws probably it looks like ninety eight with right. the extension that he gets correct. toward the plate. And so it's always interesting when you have guys that size. But yeah, it remains to be seen. Um, I know Paul Moss, Paul from Orlando, brought up the international signing period starting in January. He asked whether we could start maybe seeing the gains that we talked about where it takes a few years to really get a foothold in the recruiting of these players. A lot of these guys have been in discussion with teams for years, and right. it's sort of a foregone conclusion as to who they will sign with. Um, I expect the Orioles to be as active, if not more, in that market as they were this last year. Now, 
the cost of these prospects is is ever raising. The top guys are getting five million dollars. I yep. I would be pleasantly surprised to see the Orioles dipping their toes in the water of guys who were even being paid over a million dollars. But that remains to be seen. I would probably think it falls more in line with Elias and company scouting and, and scouring the mid-class tier. The I mean, they signed Luis Ortiz last year for, I think, six hundred or 800000 That's a good deal of money for the Orioles to spend in the international yeah. market in my lifetime. But that doesn't mean that they are you know, competing with the top dogs here to get the top talent. That also doesn't mean that they aren't finding really good players. So all these things can be true. And uh, we have no choice until we are proven that this is nothing more than cheap penny pinching from the Orioles. We have no choice but to let this play out and hope that their scouting proves correct. Uh, today's show, normally this would be a Would Rather Wednesday, full disclosure. It's not. I'm sorry. But it is still brought to you by the fine folks at Glory, Glory Days Grill. And the Olympics start soon. Stop in and watch the games at Glory Days Grill. Every child who dines at one of their restaurants during the Olympic Games will receive a gold medal. That's Glory Days Grill. One of the best places for a good meal in this area. There's no doubt about it. All right, we're going to take our first break. Got confirmation. We will be chatting with Anthony Tark later on in the show. Excited to chat with him. He was the uh, MIAC Player of the Year uh, after transferring. He had transferred actually twice. Started his career at NGIT. Uh, they've never accomplished anything other than beating Michigan one time. NJIT. Uh, then he went to UTEP and finished his career under Juan Dixon alongside his brother. And the two of them were both named... I know that Anthony was a first-team All-MIAC, and his brother Nenda was a third-team All-MIAC. As far as I'm to understand, that is the first time ever that brothers both made the All-Conference teams in the same season. Um, cool story. Uh, a lot to like and a lot to root for as he uh, has decided to remain in the 2021 NBA draft, where uh, there's been a little bit of steam gathering as far as his chances of being drafted. And a really interesting story. Looking forward to talking to him about that a little bit later on. Ah, what else we got? All right. Today's show brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors ah, to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. It's Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, and Ken Zalis. We will be right back. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Here it. Watch out! Oh, my God! 
For the first time, the PGA Tours FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Caves Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. Hey, everybody, this is Chris Ruling from Great Eights Memorabilia, and we want to invite you out to Jimmy's Famous Seafood on Sunday, July 25th. We will be there for the Casey Cares Return to Training Camp Crab Feast with Baltimore Raven linebacker Tyus Bowser. Tickets are on sale now at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's Great, the number eight, letter S, Memorabilia.com. And remember, you always have a chance to be great. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window plus put no money down make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com tell them glenn clark sent you window nation the perfect fit the latest edition of press box is available now on the cover thomas kenzora profiles university of maryland quarterback talia tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the terps to big 10 prominence this year also inside bo smolka breaks down the ravens offense of luck, a look at Coppin State's Olympic connection, and much more. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, we are back. Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Chesapeake Employers Insurance, your workers' compensation insurance specialist. Uh, Stan the Fan has a good show tonight as he and Gary Stein will be chatting with Bill Ordeen about the developments of gaming and gambling and sports gambling. In Maryland, as we expect that come fall, we will have the ability to wager on sports contests in-state at a variety of online and -and brick-and-mortar places. So we will get the latest on the developments and what we can expect as far as the timeline is concerned. From Bill Ordeen and Stan the Fan and Gary Stein tonight, on Monday they chatted with Larry Sheets, the father of Gavin Sheets, Gilman alum, and Larry Sheets, a former big leaguer himself, 
uh, about the emotions that he felt watching his son hit a home run at Camden Yards in his first appearance this past weekend on Friday. Uh, two great shows. Those are available for you every week and are available the next day, of course, at PressBoxOnline.com. And Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at C3America.com. Going to make our connection with Susie Petrocelli here in a few minutes. Uh, of course, you did mention prior that there will be an NBA game tonight as the Bucks will look to even the series, if possible, against the Suns. And if the Suns have their druthers, they'll probably want to keep DeAndre Ayton on the floor for the second half. Uh-huh. Uh, they, 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 they should. <laughs> uh, he got off to a good start. Great and, start. Um, then uh, got in foul trouble, and it wasn't the same game after that. Nope. And, uh, do we know if it's the same officiating crew? Uh, I do not know for what it's worth. Because uh, there were some eyebrows raised immediately when everybody saw, Correct. what's yeah. it, Scott Brooks? Scott something, yeah, I believe that. Uh, Scott. Isn't Scott Brooks the former coach? That's the I think Wizards it's the coach. same name, though. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe. But Scott something. Scott something. Yeah. Um, hopefully and, he will not be the official. Yeah, hopefully not. But, uh, you know, uh, could be, you know, they even the series. We're probably looking at seven games. Um, you uh, say that, but you said if they even the series. If they said. even the series. Okay, I mean, maybe. Probably. If they were to lose, if the Bucks win tonight, I owe my friend $5. I made a bet that it would end in five. So, yes, I guess yes, I'm kind of yes. rooting. You know, $5 is whatever. It's $5. I'll live. That's a, hey. I'll live. You know, we so. will be chatting with Tyler Nevin at 1140 in the 11 a.m. hour as things oh, did every, fall into everything's place. Everything's falling so in the, we are not as, going. Uh, <laughs> as out of line here as maybe we thought we would be, but excited to chat with him. Uh, and so... Got a full 11 a.m. hour on deck here, and uh, always a good thing when you've got actual guests. So that's a win. Uh, tomorrow we will be joined by our friends three to the NFL chick covered. Uh, she, the, the former host of the Fantasy and Reality Football Show, alongside you and uh, me as the producer. Have a little bit of a reunion. That'll be fun. Looking forward to that. Um, KZ. Yes, sir. If you had to bet on the number of games the series goes to before tonight, where are you now? Uh, I'm still going five. I, I, I think the Suns figure it out. I think they're the more well-rounded team. Um, and they win tonight, and I think they take the next two. Uh, or the next one. Well, Oh, tonight. you mean tonight and the next one. Yes, I hear you. Um, yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, Giannis would have to be – I mean, it, it all depends on the shooters around him, right? Like, it if does. they're hot and they can keep up with the Suns, then – you like their chances at home, and it's possible that they can pull this one out, and then from there, who knows? But I don't know. I mean, if Aiden's on the floor. If Aiden's on the floor, Booker's got to get Booker back to Booker. play particularly well He last did not. Game. I say he's got to get back right. to playing well. Um, I still like – I like the way they're, they they approach the first two games. I know they were at home. Um, you know, you kind of – you know, you kind of expected Milwaukee not to go down in four, you know, four straight games. Sure. Giannis is too good. The shooters eventually are going to have a good game, which they did. Uh, that I, said, I'm not sure it happens if Aiden doesn't get hurt, right? Like, if I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was a close game the entire way, and who knows what it who looks knows? like if he's on the floor the entire time. But he wasn't. They lost by 20. And so they did. That would be a factor, clearly. I mean, he's been. He hasn't been the guy with the ball in his hands all the time, right? He's not exactly taking 15, 20 shots a no, game. But when no. he does, he's hyper-efficient, controls the glass. They, when he's out of the game, they don't have anything inside Correct. to really help out. So Correct. Um, 
you know, he's he's got to stay out of foul trouble, uh, continue to have productive minutes. Booker, um, who did not look like Booker in Game Three, needs to get back on track. Uh, you know, he just kind of seemed to. You know, they took him out of the game early, went one for like his first seven, and then never really got back into it. Uh, especially once uh, Anton Aton uh, got out of the game, uh, they kind of just closed out on shooters really, really well because, again, there's no uh, inside presence whatsoever. But, uh, you know, maybe try to limit Giannis a little bit more than they've been Sometimes trying. easier said than done. Well, but it seems like the well, – you know, we'll get back to it, but it just it seems like they just decided, you know, let him get his and take, sure. take out the shooters. Maybe – Maybe go in a little bit different direction. Maybe. Uh, we are excited to chat with our next guest here. Her name is Susie Petrocelli, and uh, she was at one point in her life an extremely successful soccer player, a captain of the Harvard soccer team before her you know, soccer playing career was derailed by injury. But this story, her memoir titled Raised a Warrior, a memoir of soccer, grit, and leveling the playing field details her journey after her playing career and her fight as it continues currently to not only regain, I think, the sort of agency and confidence in her life, but now to find the level playing field between men and women and equal pay on the soccer pitch and excited to pick her brain a little bit on what exactly spurred her journey and uh, her memoir as a whole. So Susie Petricelli joins us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Susie, it's Kyle and KZ here in Baltimore. Thank you so much for taking some time for us this morning. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, guys. That was a wonderful introduction. I couldn't have said it, said it better myself. Thank you. Well, I mean, I got a chance to read a little bit of the book, and I have to say it was very, very enthralling and an interesting story as you detailed your journey as a young girl kind of not exactly knowing her place in the sports world until you did find soccer, of course. But obviously it was a big part of your story, the family dynamic in your household. Your father, a former fullback at Stanford University, um, from what I could tell, maybe not described as the most warm and easygoing presence in the world, but uh, it did sort of mold you into the competitor that you were, and I have to think still kind of shapes to an extent the way that you take on battles in your life. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, the journey that you went through as somebody who desperately was seeking to make your father proud to somebody who to an extent, had to accept and be willing to not necessarily disappoint, but maybe go against what would be his first wishes. Yeah, so, so you know, you're right. My dad was a tough uh, person. He, um, but at the same time, um, very loving. I mean, he, you know, he, he, uh, he said, I love you all the time. He, you know, he kissed us goodnight every night. So there was, there was, you know, never any dearth of affection and love. But, you know, at the same time, you know, he was, uh, like the title says, he was raising us to be warriors on the field. And, you know, there was no complaining. You know, there was no crying. Um, and, you know, you sacrificed your body. You sacrificed fingers and arms and, nail, you know, and collarbones, whatever it was, uh, for the win. Um, and, you know, I knew from a very young age that the way to earn respect in my family, my grandfather as well was a football player in L.A., um, and, you know, the way to earn respect in my family was, was definitely on the field. 
Um, however, you know, I, you know, as a little kid, obviously our, you know, the two sports in our house were American football and baseball. So mm-hmm. it was definitely confusing for me when, you know, I showed up for tryouts and, and, uh, you know, I was given a cold shoulder for American football and then again for baseball. And I'm thinking, well, how am I ever going to earn anybody's respect if I'm never given a chance? Um, and then, but I was lucky. And I, and I know now part of this book is, is understanding how lucky I am that, you know, Title IX was passed in 1972. And, uh, you know, when girls' soccer teams were starting to, or girls were starting to be allowed to right. play soccer in, in the United States uh, right at the time when I was, you know, coming of age for it. And, um, so I, you know, I just got really lucky. And one day I showed up at a soccer thing and, you know, the, everybody was smiling at me instead of sort of ignoring me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they handed me a uniform and sent me out, let me loose out on the soccer field. And I felt, felt just felt that freedom. I mean, I was just craving my chance to be out on a team and out on the field and prove myself. You know, I, I knew I could be good at it. I knew I could throw a football. I knew I could throw a baseball. I knew I was faster than most of the boys. I, I just wanted, you know, I just wanted a chance to prove myself. So luckily for me, I, you know, I had that opportunity for soccer but you know unfortunately a lot of girls didn't have you know don't have those opportunities still especially outside the united states so now as you as you kind of make your mission to to find gender equity in soccer and to kind of even the playing field between the men and the women i found it interesting when you talked about your first experience playing soccer at the age of four you were and your sister were on a co-ed team before the year later, once you guys were able to field an all-girls team, you talked about how you were now a member of the, the Unicorns or another name that was yeah. very much, you know, gender-driven. I I wonder, you talked, and obviously it was, it was something that you realized at a young age, the discrepancies between men and women in sports or boys and girls at the time, but was it something that that bothered you when it came to soccer early on or was it later on in life when the pay aspect and all of that comes into play that it really sort of clarified for you? That's a really good question. So it definitely, it was disappointing, you know, when I was little that I wasn't allowed to play just because I knew it was fun. And, and, you know, and it was part of our family history. It was part of our family tradition that I, you know, I felt like I was being not denied, um, but, you know, it just nobody was looking at me and nobody was agreeing with me. Um, and that just seemed like common sense to everybody else. So I so I just sort of put it behind me and I focused on soccer and I was very lucky. You know, I played all the way through the youth soccer system. I played the Olympic development you know, system uh, in the United States. And I ended up with this ridiculous opportunity. I, 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 you know, my sister and I both had the choice to play for either Stanford or Harvard. So, I mean, obviously, I have no complaints. Right. I mean, it, you know. It, uh, it served its purpose for me, um, and it gave, you know it gave me all of those beautiful life lessons that we learned from sports, um, you know the, the the good and the bad, right? Um, but you know I was it was uh, not until my early twenties when I started to understand um, that actually the the history of women's sports is is seen as different from and is different from the history of men's sports, and and it, and people do see women's sports as different than men's. It took me a long time to really to really see that. I, I, I said this story before, but I, one of the visual things that really like made me wake up to it was in at Harvard in the athletic department in one of the buildings. They have a, a framed picture, a team picture for every year, you know, every team. So I was, you know, just happened to see it one day, and I'm I'm walk I'm starting at my you know previous team picture from the year before, and I'm walking backwards in time, and I'm looking at all the photos, and I get to you know the beginning, so I, I walk like 15 pictures back, and I get to the first you know women's soccer picture at Harvard, which was in the late 70s. Um, so it was only 14, 15 pictures, right? right? And then I realized, wow, like the men's 
taking pictures, keep going. And they, and so I'm walking and I'm walking down the hallway, the hallway turns right. I walk all the way down the next hallway, you know, and the men's team pictures just keep going. And and by the time you get to the end, you know, they look like they're, they look, you know, they're black and white. They're wearing knickers. They're wearing these (laughs) cute little hats. I mean, you know, they're just part of like such deep history, you know, in, in sports. Um, so I, I, that's when I started to, it started to hit me that, wow, this is, there's really a huge gap between the, the two histories. Um, and then, you know, I, and then I started to realize that, um, you know, our, the way, you know, our locker room was different than the men's locker room, but those things, those things, I, I it was all in hindsight. Like mm-hmm. at, at the time I didn't, you know, I didn't realize any of those things. Um, but then, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, I, in my early twenties, I started to realize that if title, I remember realizing finally that if Title IX hadn't been passed in 1972, I would not. If you know, if it had, if I had been born five years earlier than when I was born, I would not have been given an opportunity to play soccer. And that really sort of broke my heart because then I'm thinking like all of those joys that I had, all of the most important moments in my life, and all of the most important lessons I learned in my life came from soccer. So like if, if you take that away from me, it's a completely different experience in my life, right? And it, it was it's heartbreaking. And then of course I'm thinking like, okay, well, how many other girls before me hadn't had that opportunity, you know, and hadn't had that opportunity to experience the joy of sports. Um, and then the next step for me was then realizing, okay, well, outside the United States, do girls do girls have a law like Title IX that's protecting their access to mm-hmm. education and sports? Um, you know, because Title IX, really, the purpose wasn't to get, wasn't to have any effect on sports. The purpose was to get women into higher education. Right. So, um, so I, you know, and it, you know, that's even more heartbreaking because, you know, the, the, the truth is that girls outside the United States don't have laws like that protecting their access um, and their opportunities and their, you know, equal respect and equal pay. So, um, you know, it, 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 the book for me started as a story about my team and, and how much fun we had and how, how much joy soccer brought me. But it really grew uh, as I grew up, you know, and as I matured, I became a mom and I realized that I really don't want my daughter to have, you know, be limited by the, in, in the same ways that I was limited. I, you know, I, I don't want her to grow up in a world where she's going to earn less you know, 25% less than her, her brother for the same job. I, you know, there are certain things that I really think I have a responsibility to try to change for the next generation the same way, you know, that our, our foremothers like Billie Jean King and all these amazing heroes, you know, fought so hard to change uh, for us. So um, it's really about me learning about the um, opportunities that I was taking for granted um, and, and seeing if there's a way that I can, you know, move things forward for the next generation. Uh, Susie uh, KZ here, um, long-time uh, girls soccer coach and high school girls coach of, of multiple sports. And it's, you know, love loved the story because it's something that up until about maybe three, four years ago, uh, really four years ago, I was still fighting at the high school level with uh, equality for uh, the, the men's and women's sports. Um, until we kind of came to a, an understanding. And I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, the U.S. women's national team and their high-profile, uh, let's say, lawsuit, uh, fight, whatever you want to call it, with uh, U.S. soccer and fighting for their equality. And, you know, it it reminded me of something that, that I once said to an old athletic director when I didn't feel the girls' soccer team was getting equal uh, equal treatment uh, from the boys team and I said well maybe we should just do it based on who wins more more games and more championships and then you can start taking stuff away from the boys 
Um, and he just kind of looked at me and, and, you know, cross-eyed. But, you know, I think a lot of people look at the U.S. women's national team and the men's national team kind of the same way. You have this highly successful uh, team in the women's national team. All they do is win, it seems like, for, for decades. And, you know, but they can't get a fair shake in the eyes of U.S. soccer. Uh you know where you know through all of that where where did where have we wound up um with US women's soccer um have they come to an agreement have they has there been any movement uh towards their lawsuit um yes so there has been movement in, in US soccer um and, and first of all thank you for um you know your support of of uh women's you know female athletes along the way we really appreciate it and also I'll just take a second to to thank you both for um you know including me in your in your broadcast because you know um there's this statistic I don't know if you guys know but you know girls women um women sports only gets 4% of sports media in the United States so so you know, I just want to thank you guys for having me because I feel like you know we're we're moving things forward just by just by even having this conversation. Um, so it means a lot to me, really. It's our um, pleasure. But, but um, yeah, so the, the U.S. Women's National Team. You know, they, I was just on a phone call last week actually from someone with U.S. Soccer, and he started off the conversation. It was an introduction, and he started off the conversation by apologizing to me um, for the sexism that had been happening. And I was actually surprised that he used that word because they've been avoiding you know using that word. Um, and I was surprised that he apologized to me, um, you know, um, but, you know, he came right out with it and he apologized for the sexism. And I thought, all right, well, this, this sounds like a good first step. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's uh, we'll have to see what happens. You know, obviously, they have a, fem- a new female president, Cindy, Cindy Parlo-Cohn, who was a former player. She was on the 99, uh, you know, the 99ers that won the World Cup against China, that mm-hmm. famous team. Um, so she's been on she's been on the player side of it. Um, so, you know, hopefully they're, they're going to be moving forward. It's it's obviously a complicated debate. You know, um, I think one of the things that needs to happen is they need to start um, unbundling the, the TV rights um, from the men's and the women's teams. Um, for a very long time, they were bundling the women's teams uh, with the men's teams, thinking that that's the only way that they would ever sell, which, you know, obviously now we know is not it's not <laughs> not the case. Um, you know, the Women's World Cup in 2019 had a billion people watching it. I mean, you know, you can't argue with the viewership numbers sure. anymore. So, um, you know, and, and uh, Alex Morgan has two million more social media followers than Tom Brady. You know, so it's not about, you know, you can't say they don't have fans. You, don't, you can't say they don't have influence. Um, and, um, you know, they, they, just, they do deserve to be paid equally. There's this whole debate you know, uh, about, you know, are they bringing in the same revenue? But, you know, if, if women's soccer was banned, um, you know, was banned in England for 50 years, it was banned, you know, from 1920 to 1970 in England, it was banned in Germany. Uh, it was actually illegal in Brazil and for 50 years in, in the 20th century. It was, um, you know, so we've been, we've been like continuing despite all of these sort of very, you know, solid barriers that have been put in, in place for us. So, you know, the, the, the debate about equal pay and the debate about equal equal respect is uh, complicated, but you know it's, it's definitely moving forward. Um, you know, I, hopefully that they'll start to settle things in the next year. I mean, it's been wonderful. The public, uh, you know, public support for the team has been amazing. Obviously, we're lucky because the team has had some amazing, very charismatic leaders, um, and um, you know that that are very well spoken. Um, so you know, we have people like Crystal Dunn and Kristen Press, and um, you know, um, obviously Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd, who, you know, they're not afraid to be activists and they're not afraid to stand up. They're not afraid of the backlash that comes with it. And, 
Um, you know, it, it's it's their true leaders, and and also they're setting a good example for not not only young girls, but for for everybody, right? They're they're an inspiration to everybody. Well, Susie, um, I I can't tell you how much I enjoyed reading about your story and and how much I support the fight that you're putting forward, and I I wish you the best of luck in your continued efforts to you know, get what is deserved for women in sports, particularly in soccer, whereas Casey mentioned, I mean, you cannot deny the success that has experienced from the U.S. women's national team. Uh, we have linked your book up on Twitter. That is Raised a Warrior, her memoir, uh, detailing this journey of hers, and I can't encourage people enough to go get a, like, take a read, purchase it, uh, whether on Amazon or wherever you get your books, because it is certainly worth the time. And uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it. I, I appreciate it more. I really do. I, you guys are part of the part of the movement and part of the positive change, and, and I can't thank you enough for that. So thank you. Thank you. There she goes, Susie Petricelli. A really inspiring story of perseverance and overcoming obstacles to really fight for what it is that you believe in. And so, truly, cannot recommend that enough. It was enthralling in what I was able to read, and I look forward to digging back into it a little bit later on to uh, finish the whole story because. You know, it's inspiring not only in a sports sense, but for just life in general, as she overcame a lot to get where she is currently. So thank her for joining her and uh, for joining us, excuse me, and uh, look forward to digging more into that. Uh, we're going to take our second break of the show. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Exxon Mobil. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio, Kyle Ottenheimer, and Ken Zalis. We will be right back. Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their Very Berry Salad and Smoky Thigh Wings. It also features the all-new Shrimp Po'Boy Crispy Fried Shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York Strip Steak, the Barbecue Chicken Bowl, Barbecue Ribs, and Smoky Thigh Wings Combo Platter, Zucchini Fries, and a Key Lime Pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams' Summer or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. The Olympics start soon. Stop in and watch the games at Glory Days Grill. Every child who dines at one of their restaurants during the Olympic Games will receive a gold medal. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host Zach Goodman every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash the bat around or at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. That's the bat around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box Sports. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is GlennClarkRadio.com. Nothing but net. And we're back. Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Press Box. Uh, make sure to get out the Glory Days Grill and try their seasonal menu. I can't speak highly enough about the smoky thigh wings. They are truly a marvel. So make sure to get out to your nearest Glory Days Grill and try them for yourself. You will not be disappointed. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Grade 8's Memorabilia. Coming up Sunday, July 25th, celebrate the return to training camp with a crab feast featuring Baltimore Ravens edge rusher Tyus Bowser at, Jim, at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Your $108 VIP ticket gets you the crab feast with Maryland steamed crabs, a buffet of Jimmy's Seafood favorites, an open bar, and your VIP meet and greet and autograph with Tyus Bowser. The event benefits Casey Cares and cannot be missed. So get your tickets now by going to great8smemorabilia.com. That's the number eight, great8smemorabilia.com. So due to the uh, nature of the realigning of the show, we're going to have to do this segment a little earlier than may be expected, but looking forward to finding out what the Utes are talking about with young Jack on our segment, Two Utes. <laughs> I maintain that I'm a better whistler than Glenn. I think the evidence is is pretty obvious here. Uh, Two Utes is brought to you by Window Nation. Right now, get 50% off all styles of windows plus no money down. Make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com and tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. So, Jack, what are the kids talking about these days? Um, so before, just a quick shout out to the USA basketball team who did finally, finally. win last night. Monkey so, off their back. So they got one. So that's good. Better than going zero and three no heading, doubt. heading into the Olympics. Yeah, they've got the momentum now. You yeah, know, they're going to ride now they're the just winning gonna, streak. <laughs> um, so that was good to see. Um, so this actually happened a couple weeks ago, but oh, wow. it started okay. coming. It started like circulating okay. back again. So it was um, Zach Wilson's mom has a Instagram account. Yeah. She's got like thirty thousand followers, and she's kind of like um, she's an attractive mother. Yeah, to yes. say the least. Yes. But um, so Zach Wilson offered it to pay his mom to delete her Instagram account wow. because 
a couple months ago, I think it was like maybe a, a month ago, uh-huh. she went on like this crazy rant about at Disney World with like the whole mask mandate and oh. how it like wasn't. Okay. Like, so like, it wasn't necessarily about her being a dancer or no, anything like that. No, it was no, like no. maybe we should just dial back the. Yeah. So, yeah, the so Zach was. Statements. So he's kind of like. I mean, we're in New York. Like, it's the center of everything. Like, if we can avoid the media at all yeah. costs, like, let, let's just do it. And his mom's right. like, "I'm a big, I'm a big girl. Like, I can, I can handle it. It's like I can take the criticism." Cause sure. She, the main focus of her um, Instagram account is to like promote like healthy lifestyle, like, okay, all of that kind of stuff. So she, she have sponsorships and stuff. Probably now. <laughs> probably, <Yeah. laughs> if, if she didn't before, she probably does now. But um, basically, Zach was uh, kind of like. He's a pretty shy guy, I would say. He doesn't really love being like the center of attention. Despite looking this... like a Disney Channel star. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. and being the quarterback yeah. for the Jets. But... Yeah, it's not going to work out all that well, I don't think, um, for him. No, but uh, what's it called? So it's just like funny to see that like even if you're all, like that famous and your mom has an Instagram account, it's like you still would rather her just not, yeah. not, no, not I use that. Yeah, that. Yeah. So I, Especially if you're the quarterback for the New York Jets. Right. So I mean, p- I kind of thought it would just be about how she's an attractive mother and that she would probably be getting attention that he would have to hear about from his teammates and right. from anybody else like that. It's yeah, one exactly. more thing well, to rip well, about, on, you know? On, on giraffe night, I, when we were, I was watching like with all said, my friends. It sounded like you said giraffe night, and I was oh. like, what is giraffe no, night? No, when it was, uh, when it was on giraffe night, um, it was funny. I was watching it with my friends, and they were like, is that his mom? Yeah. Like, I was like, I think it's his sister. No, yeah, she's a <laughs> so, very, very good-looking yeah, woman. And so, I mean... She is, like, there was, I saw a video of her on TikTok of her dancing. I was like, okay. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to go well for Zach. <laughs> I don't yeah. think Zach's going to enjoy hearing about this from so, his teammates. hopefully the Wilson family can kind of contain her and, yeah. and keep her a little low-key for... Just for Zach's. Yeah, no, you would hope, but purpose. maybe if he's good enough at football, it won't matter, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe maybe that. He's playing, or right. how bad he's playing. I'm sure there will be questions one way or the other that will not be about his mom <laughs> from the media in New York. Right. All um, right. So that's good. Yeah, good for her. So uh, yesterday, a uh, an unopened Super Mario Nintendo 64 game was just sold for 1.56 million dollars. What? N64. The one from the 90s, the yeah, one that I remember the, yeah. growing up with. Yeah, exactly. Not like a Nintendo, like Super Nintendo from the 80s. And, no. and we're talking about Super Mario 64, the game that like everybody has, essentially. Mm-hmm. If you had an N64, I think it came with it kind of thing. An unopened one sold for one and a half million? Mil- yeah. The game or the whole... No, just the actual game itself. Well, the box, like the, yeah, it came like the with, the, with the disc inside of like a plastic. Oh, okay. Exactly. They weren't discs; uh, they were cartridges. They were cartridges. cartridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying are, to like make it out because yeah. it's a little bit before my time. So those are the good. N sixty four. I have one. It's one of the best systems ever made. The games are are fantastic, and that was obviously one of the more popular ones. But one and a half million dollars. Yeah. There are just people in this world who have too much, too much money, money. <laughs> right? And can Wait, just yeah, yeah. waste can you even, it. Can you even play it? Yeah, like sure. right, if you, like you think it would work if you just yeah, like sure. plugged it in yeah. and all that. Those ones sure. are those last. My old my old Atari still works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those last all. <laughs> this isn't like discs where the scratches will ruin. Yeah, it. Right. these cartridges, yeah. as long as you blow in them hard yeah. enough, yeah, and like oh, reset yeah. the thing. It, look, they're finicky sometimes, but no, it worked. It definitely works. Yeah. I have that game. I've kind of uh, been like playing with the idea of like trying to play it. Maybe you beat can it. sell it. No, I don't think it's <laughs> certainly opened. I'll tell you that much. No, that's insane. That's yeah, truly so this insane. Was, so this fu- this game just broke a previous record that I think was sold last week. It was an unopened copy of Nintendo's Legend of Zelda. Okay, also very that popular. That sold for $870,000. Maybe I should have not been opening all these games <laughs> I was buying when I was younger and just holding on to them. Who's, like, who makes that choice? Like, Is it somebody you think that like bought it for their kid... 
their kid just didn't care and they were like, ugh, whatever, I guess I'll throw this in the closet. But they would have probably thrown it away. Like, who's making this conscious decision in 96 or whenever this game came out to be like, all right, I'm going to buy this, not going to open it, it's going to appreciate in value, and I'm going to sell it for a boatload of money. That still seems kind of insane to me. I'm guessing it's somebody who may have bought it more recent than that. You think they put an investment in like seven or eight years ago? Yeah, and they got something it for like, like that. Thirty thousand. I'm gonna guess he saw it somewhere and said, "You know what? Let me let me buy this and hold on to it. Let's see if it's ever worth something." Well, whoever sold it to him probably hates themselves. Probably. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because in in April there was a uh, an, another unopened copy of just Nintendo's Super Mario Bros. Yeah. And. In the this article, it said that the guy that owned the, um, the game itself left it in a desk drawer Jesus. and and stumbled upon that. And then in April, that game sold for six hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Can you imagine just opening up a drawer and finding, finding six hundred and sixty thousand dollars worth of plastic? Decent day. I don't know if I would. I mean, that's, that's I think crazy. I have to go go through my my basement and all the boxes that are unopened from when we moved there 15 years ago. Yeah? You know? I think there could be some, some N64 games in there. Probably not. Hopefully no, the Madden. Not. I, I, there's probably something in there. They're not unopened. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Hopefully the Madden games will appreciate and I've got them all. Not unopened? No, they're not. Yeah. They're in their cases. I mean, but That's maybe. the point here right. is that it's, it's untouched, be on, pristine. Yeah. You know, right. that's what they're looking for here. That's genuinely impressive. Yeah. I'm jealous of that guy. Well, I mean, I understand like the baseball card collection. I understand like you probably bought it at like a flea market. That right, kind of right, 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 exactly. You know? That's what I'm I thinking. Kinda, I, get, I understand like that, market. but like for a video game, I mean, I just don't understand who's right. who's. That's genuinely insane to me. The person's gonna like, display it on their wall. And I don't, yeah, like, I don't know what you do. Like once you game. once you have it, it's like I don't know what to. You don't want to open it. You don't want to play it. So I mean, yeah, maybe they have too much money. Maybe there's just a point where you say, you know. I probably don't need all this money. I'm not using it for good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's incredible, though. One and a half million dollars. Yeah, so. It's a good game. Don't get me wrong. A fun game. Very fun. $1.5 million fun. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think it's that So fun. we're like, what are the kids saying about it? It's just like an, an astronomical amount <laughs> of money to spend on a game that you that he's most likely never going to actually play. I would hope he's not going to play it. If right. you're planning on opening it, well, that's a very expensive game. game. Yeah, One point five million dollars. Buy video it for game. thirty dollars on eBay right, instead. Exactly. So that's I mean, that, wild. Yeah, that that was pretty uh pretty neat right there. Is it neat, Jack? Is that neat or is that asinine? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> I think a little bit of both. Um, Need for the seller, good right. for you, man. Yeah, just making a nice one and a half mil. I thought you were gonna talk about this one girl who found like her grandparents gave her like a nearly pristine GameCube that they had like stored away that they had bought for their, I guess their, they never got used. It used twice and it was like perfect condition. And people on Twitter were like, "How much will you sell that for? I will buy that off." But no, you were talking about something entirely different. Well, not entirely different. Nintendo, Nintendo. But still, video games are. A profitable industry in more ways than one, I suppose. Right. That's <laughs> yep. Wild. Um, so I have two things. I, one, I wasn't sure if we talked about it yesterday. I don't know if you mentioned it with uh, Stephen A. Smith and his oh, the Shohei Otani. Yeah, the comments about Shohei Otani. Didn't really talk about it too much. I'm not the biggest Stephen A. Smith. Neither fan. am I. Yeah. I find him to be very annoying sometimes. I think his voice is sort of like nails on the chalkboard. Yeah, I mean the uh, his his comment was I it, I don't think it helps that the number one face of the MLB yeah, is a right. dude that needs an interpreter. I mean. Yeah, I don't think it matters. I mean, I'm not ignorant. I mean, if yes. I meet if I meet him, I'm asking him for a picture. I mean, like hopefully he would uh, he'd understand that part. But I mean, if you're you're paying to see this guy play baseball, yeah, you're not no you're doubt. not you're not paying to see this guy speak. So there's I no think doubt. those comments were yeah. 
pretty pretty uh pretty stupid right and then and it came out a couple hours later and where like i think it's all everyone praising espn for putting on a bunch of people on first take the day after who were brushing back at the co- it's all profiting stephen yes. a smith if right. you're really gonna like show that this matters then i mean no they're not gonna fire him. never gonna fire him he gets paid 12 million dollars a year he's like but, the face of espn yeah, it's genuinely frustrating that the point of that show is just to go on there and spew nonsense correct and so no, when yeah. it doesn't pay off it's not surprising it's what they're doing and it's you know yeah. all they've, of it they've had some served. mishaps over the over the summer with the julio jones whole thing where they called him and yeah no, that was um that was shannon sharp Right, but it was on first take. No, that was no. undisputed. Oh, it was undisputed. Yeah. I get those. Yeah, I get Skip Bayless is also used to be one. first take. So yeah. he's, I can understand the confusion. But yeah, yeah, no. Believe it or not, those shows uh, they don't do a lot of planning. It seems and they <laughs> just kind of talk. And yeah. you know, for somebody who kind of does that, I still don't make mistakes like that. So no. yeah, no, they're unsurprising to say the least. Right. But what was the? Uh, oh, so the, the the final thing that I had was. Um, Richard Branson, who just like yeah. took his personal yeah. private spaceship He's into like uh, CEO into space. of Virgin Galactic Virgin, yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. right? So they were th- that trip took less than an hour, and they went. F- I think it was like fifty-five miles above, yeah. which is like three miles or four miles where above where they classify as like being in space. You're classify. just above the sky, right? right. Like yeah. the so stratosphere. They, yeah. yeah, so yeah. like you're not really what you're not in space as we would consider. Right. Yeah. 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 They were high enough where they like were able to float. With like no gravity for like five minutes, I, I guess think. That's the only they, reason you're doing it, huh? Right, but uh, so there's a raffle that you can enter starting in that well, you can apply now, but in 2022, it's um, you would can win a, a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar ticket for free, and you get to bring one of another. It's like a plus one on that spaceship, and you get to like go into space and. Like it's cool, I guess. Like it's interesting to say I went to space, but. I'm selling that ticket if I win. Right, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, if you can get your hands. We're on that having ticket. an auction. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. No, the whole rush to space between Musk and, or I guess Musk, Bezos. Well, it was originally between Richard Branson and, and Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Well, you know, Musk Bezos was supposed to go prior to Richard Branson, and then he like Richard Branson right. was, um, undercut him. Yeah, he <laughs> bumped up his flight from like uh, two weeks until it was last week. So billionaires fighting. <laughs> That's I guess if you're a billionaire, you fight over who's going to space yeah. first. So it's no, pretty uh, neat. Jeffrey Bezos feels like he's having a midlife crisis, and he's like, I want to go to space with my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. share this moment together. Yeah, no. Um, but uh, it was, it was, they, they, so they floated for for like four minutes, and then they came back down. But the pictures from the inside and like the whole video that the footage that they got was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. The the spaceship that. So did you have you seen the the plane? Or like I the, saw no. the plane. It's pretty cool. So it's, it's like it was uh, it's cool. three planes. Yeah. It looked like three planes stuck together, and like the Both the inside of it was the actual rocket ship, and it helped that it helped like the the guys like go like propel up yeah that's how that works yeah so then and then like they fell off they detached from like the actual Mm -hmm. rocket ship and then the rocket ship continued on that's how that's how rockets work right but uh (laughs) no the way it was configured it it was first of all the plane was it's a pretty cool looking plane right yeah it is pretty cool um crazy wings going on (laughs) on that one yeah that wasn't like i wasn't necessarily sure what part when they when they took off like where they what part they people were in because so what's detaching is am i looking at just the final form of it the middle is detaching well but there's three i'm seeing some different it's three right. planes sort of yeah so that like, are like so tied two on the outside okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. this is, is yeah. the, the spaceship you. and these two so it was cool i mean no it's neat 
it's definitely not worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I think for like less than an hour round trip. But uh, again, got, one of those situations where you have too much got, money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you've got the money to do it, by all means, go for it. Look, bro. I hope Bezos is butthurt over it. I <laughs> hope he's sitting there ruining the moment that he did not go to space first, or quote unquote space. Maybe we should just send him a little further and send him into orbit and <laughs> see what happens with that, you know? Yeah, I was the whole space thing when when they went to it. I was like, uh, I caught the, I guess the blast off. Uh, or the takeoff in yeah. this case, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. The two planes and they, you know, the, this becomes a rocket, and I'm like, it's not really going straight up. I'm like, it's kind of, kind of just nice you know, little nice takeoff little. from the and, runway. And I'm like, and then when they said, you know, they weren't really in space; they were just, you know, three miles above where yeah. the technical. It's like they could still see the sunshine. It's like they weren't in darkness. But you also could see the Earth, I imagine. From you like, could. Right, it's not exactly you're it getting a bird's like a eye view. I, I understand I that. I get it. It's close I, enough, it's right? Clo- I guess. I was just, I guess the whole going in the space, we all have a different yeah. visual in our head. Kind of in, f- in favor of people going to space for reasons. You know? Yes. I prefer that if you're going to be going to a planet and discovering right. some things yeah, rather than know. just taking a little like, joyride. Like if you're flying to Mars and picking <laughs> yeah. up somebody and bringing them back, okay. Yeah. But, I mean... Just, no. It's yeah. a joyride. That's exactly what it was. I'm not the biggest Elon Musk fan, but at least he's trying to uh, propel us forward in the journey as opposed to just you know taking yeah. a little trip for himself. But yeah, all right. Fair enough. Good for Richard Branson. I'm glad he got to experience that. Yeah, it's that. good for him. Maybe someday we all will. It was like a kid in a candy store yeah. when he came back down to Earth. It I'm sure like, it's yeah. pretty neat to be able to no. say that you got to see what you did get to see from up there, right? right? Like It's always interesting, I am sure. But to be honest... How you choose to spend your money, rich man, go for it. Do what you got to do. Have a good time. All right. We're going to take our final break before we connect with Anthony Tark and talk a little bit about just what he's going through in his NBA draft preparations. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by the Press Box Print Edition. On the cover, you can find Maryland quarterback, say the name. No, I'm kidding, Casey. Talia Tongavailoa. As it details the big man on campus, his journey to try to bring Terps football not just to relevance, but to competition in the Big Ten. A tall task, but one that I think he's closer to having or closer to being cut out for than any quarterback that's been on the Terps in quite some time as Mike Loxley's program looks to continue their ascent. You can find PressBox for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. And, of course, it is almost kind of Would Rather Wednesday. Make sure to go out to your local Glory Days Grill and try their new summer seasonal menu. You will not be disappointed. I've never been disappointed with anything that I've ordered from Glory Days. So you can't go wrong whether you're talking about the 12-ounce New York strip, the crispy fried shrimp, uh, the po' boy, I should say. Their summer seasonal menu is out of this world, so be sure to check that out. We'll be right back. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at PressBox. Here. It. Watch out! For the first time, the PGA Tours FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kings Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today. 
C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms Coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at SportsSocialMD.com. That's SportsSocialMD.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit. And after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Window Nation, the perfect fit. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at... Glenn Clark Radio, 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, we are back here, Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Pressbox. Kyle Ottenheimer, Ken Zalis, and uh, excited to chat with our next guest here as uh, he certainly made waves in the area with an incredible final collegiate season at Coppin State after he had transferred a couple times, first at NJIT. Uh, then at UTEP, uh, Texas El Paso, before finishing under Juan Dixon alongside his brother uh, and earning MIAC Player of the Year honors in the process. He is currently going through the NBA draft process, and he has declared that he will be keeping his name in the draft as the hype has sort of been increasing around this guy. 
Uh, he is Anthony Tark, and he joins us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Anthony, it's Kyle and KZ here in Baltimore. Thanks so much for taking some time for us this morning, and congratulations, man, on going through this process. Thanks for the introduction. It's uh, wonderful having us. Appreciate you guys. No doubt, man. So your story's fascinating, man. Um, hearing your journey from Gaithersburg High School to NJIT, like I mentioned, Texas El Paso, before finishing at Coppin State. But I think the relationship between you and your brother was something that really stuck out. I read an article talking about how you guys used to set the microwave to 12 minutes, which I'm sure your parents appreciated when the electricity bill came out, to 12 <laughs> minutes and play a full 48-minute game in your backyard, pretending that you would be, you know, playing in the NBA. And now here you are preparing yourself for trying to make that dream a reality. Can you talk a little bit about how far you've come, right, and seeing yourself now on the cusp of achieving your dream? Yeah, I mean, to go back to that story about me and my brother, We've always watched basketball. Um, we never really got into it organized until, like, well, I never got into it organized until I was 13. But we always watched from, like, when I was, like, four years old. So we, you know, we loved the sport. Um, and understanding that, like, wow, like, this, you know, going from there to starting at 13 officially and then my freshman year on JV, like, I'm not really playing. Uh, you know, I probably played, like, four games or five games that whole year. Um, and then the next year, my sophomore year, I'm the best player on JV from not playing the, the previous year. And then going to my junior year, I become the best player in the area, Montgomery County. And it's like I just saw myself making real big jumps uh, basketball-wise. And, I you know, I never understood, like, the whole – college process the d1 process mm -hmm. anything like that i just knew that the nba was there and just, that was the first thing i watched as a kid so you know you know looking back it's like wow i've really come a long way but i have so much more to and so much more to go so so you were at utep you're going to transfer uh you're not sure where you're going to transfer your brother says hey let's go play together we always talked about it talk take us through how you actually wound up at coppin um, and how much convincing it took from your brother to get you there. Yeah, it was a process. It was a process. I mean, you know, Juan Dixon and, and the coaching staff over there, you know, especially during the COVID time, the Coach John, the associate head coach over there, he would come up around my area and we'd work out and things like that and just building a relationship, you know, building rapport uh, with each other. And then, you know, having my brother to – I tell anyone this, he's my favorite player to play with. Mm -hmm. um, just because he, you know, our connect, our connectivity on the court, you know, off the court, we, we, we kind of understand basketball in a similar way. Of course, we have our differences. No one's going to think exactly alike, but just the way he breaks down the game, he's really smart. He really has a high IQ. Uh, I have a high IQ of the game, and, you know, we're, we're basketball junkies. I knew that if we got on the court together, we could do some, some special things, and, you know, he kept reiterating that to me, and you know, it ended up being a real strong season. Yeah, a very magical season there. So, uh, do you ever let your brother win one on one? Let him win? Ah, that's tough. I, I can't. I can't just say I let him win. He loses a lot. You know, he's been losing <laughs> like six, six years old. You know, he used to he used to get real mad. He's gotten better at controlling it, but he's a real, real competitor. So he, he tries, but you know, I. Got I him. 
reading <laughs> reading the story about you guys, right? And and hearing about your progression, not only as an overall player, but your progression as a scorer, right? I mean, he was always the one. There was a funny anecdote. You like he would score forty points in a game, and you would be like, I genuinely don't know how he did that. And now right. here you are after your your year at Coppin State. You put up thirty four on UNC Greensboro, and you had thirty plus points more than one time. Uh, talk about your progression as a shooter. I'm, I know Juan Dixon had to have been a big part of that, but as you continue to progress, I mean, do you really feel like now the sky is the limit as far as your offensive game is concerned? Yeah, and it's just about putting in the work and also, you know, basketball is so mental. And I, I, I really credit Juan Dixon and, and, and the coaching staff over there at Coppin State for just re-instilling that confidence in me to shoot the ball. You know, at UTEP, I wasn't really, you know, shooting. The, I wasn't supposed to shoot, you know, pretty much. And I, was, I wasn't encouraged to shoot at all. And a young player, when you're in that light, it's really hard to make shots under that type of pressure. And, you know, Coppin State really brought it out. And they said, you can shoot, you know, whatever shot. If he, They used to tell me, if you feel like it's a good shot, we think it's a great hmm. shot. And just to really give me that confidence again to shoot because in high school I used to shoot a lot of threes and I shot it and I shot it pretty well in high school and, and it's just about you know re and in NJIT I shot it pretty solid and it's just about gain, gaining that confidence in, in, in your work and, and having people believe in that shot and now you know I'm carrying that confidence uh, into the pros and you know I, I can't you know the, the sky is the limit I can't wait to see how much I continue to improve. So we, we've had the privilege of talking to Juan Dixon for the past couple of years before the season kicks off, and it's obviously been sort of tough sledding up until this season. I know you guys started 1-8, and eight and it didn't look like that tough sledding was maybe going to stop. But before we talked to him this year, there was noticeably a different sort of demeanor from him. He seemed much more upbeat and excited for the season to kick off, and I have to think a large part of that was the presence of you and your brother. Can you talk a little – I mean, I, you said you weren't really that big on college basketball growing up. You're more of an NBA fan. But was was Juan Dixon somebody who you really, like, were aware of when you were younger, or was it sort of the discovery process ongoing when you got to Coppin State? No, the truth is, I mean, if you're in Maryland and, and you love basketball, you know who Juan Dixon is. And growing up, you know, I think I might have been like four or five when he won the national championship. When they won the national championship, but it always got played over on ESPN and and on you know the college networks on TV. So you 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 saw the run and you understood the type of legend and what you know what he meant to the, to to the state of Maryland and to the city of Baltimore. And um, just having you know his basketball mind because I mean he started it was humble beginnings from for him as well especially with his parents and things of that nature so for him to climb out of that and then go to Maryland and and do what he did and then even find a way to you know be drafted in the first round you know it, it speaks volumes to you know just how he handled you know adversity and you know God's grace uh, upon his life but um yeah it, it's funny I didn't know what I was going to be able to do coming into Coppin. I was confident because I had confidence in my brother and my staff had confidence in me and my brother had confidence in me. But, um, you know, having the, the first test be a Duke and, and you're able to just go out there and compete, I, I knew <laughs> we, we would be okay in the long run. So uh, 
take us through the process uh, now leading up to the NBA draft. Uh, had the option to uh, to come back to Coppin with the with the COVID uh, rules put in place, but you're staying in the draft. Um, you're getting some good feedback uh, from reading national reports. Uh, you know, uh, really rising up some draft boards. What's the process been like going through and, and making that decision to start your professional career? Yeah, again, that, that wasn't easy because the truth, you know, the truth is we didn't have a full healthy team at Coppin State. And, but I think us starting off one and eight really, you know, had a large part uh, in terms of injuries um, during, you know, at that time. But, um, you know, I, I, I we did want to go to the NCAA tournament with a number one seed coming in, you know, being conference champions and playing with my brother that year. It was tough to leave that situation. Um you know, I could have transferred and went to a lot of different Power Five schools, big schools. But you know, again, being with my brother and playing in that situation, knowing that you know we could have made another run at it, would have been great. But also understanding, you know, what my dream has been for so long, and the sport that I've been watching since I was four years old, and literally learning you know the details since I was five years old. You know, it was an opportunity I really, I really couldn't pass up on. And obviously, in your story, it seemed as though kind of central, not only with your brother making the decision to go to Coppin, but uh, former Coppin State players Aaron and Andrew Robinson were important in making your decision themselves. And you were kind of struggling a little bit at UTEP to really get a footing and feel like you were getting a fair crack at showing your ability. Um, How... I mean, it seems like now that you have it, right, you continue to kind of grow. And as a guy who was defense first... And now a guy who is further adding to his offensive arsenal, I have to think that your skill set appears like a very valuable one at the NBA level with the importance of 3 and D type players. Um, how much of a fit do you feel like you are at the next level? Yeah, uh, I you know, just coming off this year of college basketball, I don't think there was any player more versatile than myself in terms of just being able to, you know, I played point guard. I played uh, point guard all the way through the center on both sides of the ball in terms of defending and, and operating on the offensive side. And I know the NBA, they love versatility and they love guys who can guard and defend multiple positions but also play different positions on offense. And I think um, having that skill set and, you know, obviously defense is my staple and being – Again, I believe I'm probably one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in this draft, in terms of being able to you know, guard everybody and then, you know, hold people and make shots tough uh, for for anybody. So it's just it's just about what team what a team needs. I think I can fill any role that a team needs because of how much work I put in, and you know, it, it really all it takes is one team to be like, you know, we want that guy. And, you know, and then uh, the ball starts rolling. What kind of feedback have you gotten from various teams? I know we were supposed to chat initially on Monday, and you told me that you were flying out to Sacramento. I have to think that wasn't just for vacation. Um, <laughs> what? How much? How many teams have you talked to? Uh, have they been? I mean, it's is the interest. It feels good, probably, to be talking to all these teams. But do you feel like you've got a legitimate chance to hear your name called on draft night? Yeah, I believe so. I mean. Every team, because of all the dimensions uh, of my game, every team has <laughs> different, you know, uh, feedback. But the one that remains consistent is my ability to defend. Um, teams see me as a some teams see me as a really strong playmaker. Some teams see me as a really strong rebounder. 
Um, you know, the Kings are really high on my ability to defend, and you know, they're they're very high high on who I am as a person, and you know, had a good 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 showing out there. And it's just about continuing to improve and not settling. You know, like anyone can be like, oh, with my journey and how hard it's been and how long the road has been to get to the NBA, that you stop once you get there, but. You know, the, the marathon continues, and you just have to keep going, you know. What's draft day going to look for, look uh, like for you? Uh, entire family at the house. Uh, will you watch the the first round? Um, you know, uh, uh, you know what, 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 what does the family have in store for you on draft day? Yeah, yeah right now we're still trying to figure it all out. You know, I'm, I'm here in Chicago. I think my mother, my, my brother's, uh, you know, there in Maryland. Um, I got some other family in Atlanta. So we're just trying to figure out what, you know, what's the best spot for everyone to meet up, you know, for that day. Uh, exciting times. Obviously, you only get to go through this process once. So we're still trying to figure that out. Well, man, it's uh, got to be really exciting, man. I'm, I'm sure this is thrilling for not only you, but your family to see you get to this point. And I'm sure that even in the event that you were not to hear your name called on draft night, you will probably work just as hard as you've always worked to either find your way on a roster another way, or it's not a bad life to be being paid to play basketball overseas. So, uh, dude, congratulations, man. I, I can't wait to keep watching you and uh, look forward to seeing you in an NBA uniform sometime soon, all right? Yeah, no doubt. Appreciate you guys, man. I'll be on the team. Anyway, <laughs> I look forward to Good it. I can't you. wait. There he goes. Anthony Tark, Coppin State star, MEAC player of the year last year and currently on his way to being on an NBA roster and uh, looking forward to seeing all that he accomplishes, not only in this coming year, but for hopefully a long and prosperous career at the next level. A really impressive kid and somebody who uh, not only us but all of Baltimore will be rooting for as when you play for Coppin, when you play for one of the teams in this area, you're adopted as uh, one of our own. So it's really cool to see Absolutely. him go through this process and to hear such positive feedback from a kid who, you know, uh, was widely unheralded before this season at Coppin State. Yeah, you know, uh, you look at and one of the things he talked about, look, if you can defend um, at the at the NBA level, you're gonna find we we've seen people and uh, you know that are defensive specialists, and he won not only the offensive player but the defensive player of the year in the MEAC. Um, so he can defend, uh, strong rebounder. Those guys normally find a home in the NBA somehow, uh, whether it's it's as a defensive specialist initially and build into a role, but uh, like he said, uh, you know, his offensive game has really improved over the years and continues to grow, and I'm sure NBA teams uh, notice that. And uh, like you said, getting a lot of, getting a lot of uh, attention, being flown out for some private workouts, which is nothing but positive. And the confidence he had in his voice saying, I'll be oh, on an oh, NBA team. I, yes, he will. No, I mean, yeah. it's, um, it's really cool. Really cool. Excited to, yeah. to keep watching him, and I'll definitely be a fan of him moving forward. 100%. It seems like you know he'll go as far as he wants, and that's really cool. Uh, we're moving right along here in the 11 a.m. hour from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Press Box. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Sports & Social MD. Sports & Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel, and we take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports 
Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Joining us now is a man who got his first taste of Major League Baseball a little earlier this season as he is currently back with the Norfolk Tides until he gets to hear his name called once more. But he was a guy who was acquired in the Michael Givens trade uh, where Tyron Vavra and himself came back in return. And it's an honor and pleasure to chat with uh, Norfolk Tides, I don't even know what to call them, Outfield, outfielder, first baseman, third baseman, he does a little bit of everything. Uh, Tyler Nevin joins us here at Glenn Clark Radio. Tyler, it's Kyle and KZ here. Appreciate you taking some time for us this morning, man. Hey, guys, thank you. No, I'm glad to, glad to join. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, look, uh, the last name is one that baseball fans will certainly recognize. Your father, Phil, uh, had a 10-year career, majority of which was in San Diego, and uh, as a result, it seems like your life has sort of revolved around the game of baseball. Uh, I remember reading a story saying you were kind of just a fixture in the dugout and writing your own scorecards, filling out the lineup, and it's it's cool to see you come here, and now uh, we talked to your dad a little bit earlier this year about what it means to uh, when you guys exchange the lineup cards in spring training. Can you talk a little bit about what the game has meant to you, uh, and and I guess when you knew that you wanted to be a professional baseball player. Uh, yeah, it's it's been probably the one constant in this uh, crazy baseball life my family has. Um, it, I just I can't remember a time where it wasn't um, part of the picture. Honestly, uh, you know, growing up just hitting wiffle balls in the backyard with my parents, uh, my little brother. Uh, I, I always knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, you know, it, that reality kind of kicked in a little midway through high school. Hey, I might have a, a chance to actually do this, but it was always in the back of my mind, you know, in preschool, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always write down baseball players, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, this is always, this has always been the dream of mine and, and I'm fortunate that I've, I've made it this far so far. 38th overall pick in the 2015 draft by the Rockies, and you make your major league debut uh, late May. Um, tell us a little bit about the the journey to the major leagues. Um, you know, it's uh, you get you you get the call up, you get the play, you get your first hit, which happened to be a double. Um, how exciting was that for you and your family? It was amazing. I mean, it hasn't always been a smooth road. I've had some injuries here and there last year being a little frustrating, uh, not really playing, uh, affiliated baseball. I was at the alternate sites, but, um, yeah, nothing, nothing of any real substance as far as games go. Um, and to have so much family there, uh, just to kind of see it all come to fruition was, it was incredibly special. I can't even put it to words. Um, it just, it, it was, it was so amazing being able to experience it with them. You know, we were on the road, so when I got my first hit, you know, it's quiet and nobody, nobody's really cheering. But I can hear my own section. <laughs> I can hear my own section loud and clear, and that that was that meant everything to me. And I have to imagine, right? Like the journey doesn't stop here. Nobody uh, wants to get the taste of big league and only get five right. major league at bats. How much did the taste sort of continue to drive you and motivate you to not only get back to the level but to stay there? Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean. You know, you get treated like a big leader for a few days, and uh, then you gotta go back to AAA. You get a little bit of taste, and uh, it, it was it was everything I could I could dream of. You know, I was in the auxiliary locker rooms 
and with the younger guys. So it wasn't as glamorous at times, but you know, definitely just the way um, you're treated. You walk out to the dugout, and it's a major league stadium. It's it's a special feeling, you know. Um, but yeah, it, more than anything, I think it it showed that I. I can do that. You know, I always, I always believed in myself, but you know, I went up and I felt comfortable right away. Um, and, uh, it just, it's really helping me going forward. Your defense is a big topic of discussion when it comes to you as a prospect. Uh, a lot of people, when you became an Oriole kind of seemed like they thought that maybe you had only settled in as a first base, maybe corner outfield type. But I looked at your stats this year and you've been playing all over the field for the Tides, including, I believe, 13 games at third, which is more than you played all of 2019 when you were with the Rockies. Um, talk a little bit about your third base ability, and do you feel like people pigeonholing you as a first baseman and first baseman only maybe aren't seeing the full picture? Yeah, I, I was drafted as a third baseman. Um, as I got higher up in the ranks uh, with the Rockies, they had this guy named Nolan Arenado at third base. <laughs> so, uh so you know that it, you know they signed into an extension. So we we were exploring other options as far as you know where I could play long term. But I feel the more time I spend over at third base, the, the more I feel comfortable. It's it's my natural position. Um, over the years, I've played more first base for sure, so I, I feel very comfortable over there. And outfield, uh, it, it's 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 come. I, I don't want to say naturally, but I feel comfortable at this point now um, with with my reads and and how to, you know, go about my business out there. I, I feel comfortable wherever I am, which is nothing but a positive. I'm glad I have this opportunity to play everywhere because that just means more opportunity for me. Um, no doubt. You know, if somebody goes down up there and I, I can, you can plug me in in four different positions, um, that, that's nothing but a positive. So I'm, I'm fortunate for that opportunity, and it's, it's something to work at every day. I know you say you're comfortable now in the outfield. How long do you think you get comfortable in the outfield? I mean, you grow up uh, in the dirt, as they as they like to say, and all of a sudden somebody says, "Hey, here's an outfield's glove. Go 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 catch fly balls." How long did it take you to get comfortable out there? Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, we always shag in the outfield during BP, and you'd be surprised how similar it is to the game. It's just there's more stakes, and you got to get to more balls, but. Um, yeah, it, I went out there at first trying just not to mess up, <laughs> make all the plays that I'm supposed to, and uh, you know, be slightly unremarkable. Don't <laughs> like I can, I can make a good play if I want to, but definitely don't make the bad plays. But as I've gone out there, I've I felt more comfortable uh, extending range and pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, I'm not a speed demon by any means, so. <laughs> You know, for me, it's all about the efficiency of in the infield. It's about making the quickest move, whether that's a step in or a step back. In the outfield, it's about making the right move. Um, you know, taking that extra split second to really evaluate where the where the ball is going and and make your route as efficient as possible. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely different than the infield. Um, but you know, it's 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 been it's been a journey learning it, and um, I feel good out there. Another consistent presence on the scouting reports for you entering this season was, you know, at six foot four, two twenty-five. Uh, it was actually your your contact that was more your calling card as far as hitting was concerned. But it seems like this year maybe you're starting to maybe unlock uh, the power that your frame might suggest underlies that. Uh, what's gone into this year already with eleven home runs and forty-nine games? Was there any changes? 
that you made specifically, or is this kind of just the physical maturity and those doubles transitioning now into homers? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, just learning as I go, uh, playing the game. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely the work in the off season and, and the intent in the game. Um, it, it, it is a little bit of both. You know, I am getting stronger, but you know, as as I play, you learn how to lift those balls a little better. Uh, learn how to get the head out and not, you know, flapping it the other way. Um, it's just the consistency of it that I'm I'm grabbing at right now and. Uh, something to work towards so is this i mean i gotta think it's an exciting time to be a member of the baltimore orioles organization right there's certainly opportunity to be had you experienced it yourself already this season and as we mentioned that's not all you're going for you're waiting to get back but what is the vibe like down there at norfolk with these guys when you know you know you're just one phone call away and there's certainly figures to be the chances for you guys to reach that level and stay yeah, being in AAA, um, yeah, you know, there's always that that possibility in the back of your mind. You know, any day you can get called up, but you can't get caught up in that. You gotta, you gotta be present. You gotta be where you're at um, and work w- with what's in front of you. You know, uh, if you spent your whole day daydreaming about about the next level, you're you're not gonna do much at this one. So, you know, it's it's a day, it's a day to day process of just you know going with it and playing with what's in front of you and not what's ahead of you. So we just got uh, Orioles just finished with the uh, Major League Baseball draft. What kind of advice would you give the guys that were just drafted, having already gone through the process and uh, through their through a good portion of your minor league career? Yeah, I think a little bit of what I just said. You know, um, you, know you get drafted, and the first thing you think of is you envision yourself in the major league uniform and uh, and playing in Camden Yards in this case and. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to to not look ahead like that, but you know it's a it's a long journey. I mean, you know, there's college guys, high school guys, but I was drafted, you know, six years ago, and I feel like I've made relatively good strides as far as the game goes, and I'm still young. But that was six years ago, and I just got to experience that call this year. Um, so yeah, just day to day work with with what's with what you you know the coaches are telling you to, and you improve your game every step of the way. Um, you know, there's gonna be some guys that make it quicker than others, but you know, there's plenty of people that made it in this game, uh, spending some years in the minor leagues and they made made a living off it that way and had good careers. Um, so it's it's a daily process. You just gotta go about it day by day. Is I mean, you've always been a guy that's had a nice control of the strike zone, willing to take a walk. Uh, do you feel like that skill set is something that is really valued in Baltimore? Obviously, it used to be a, a team that struck out quite a bit, didn't exactly walk all that much. But since Mike Elias has come on board, we've seen more of an emphasis placed on on base ability, on the ability to find your pitch, take it when you get it. Uh, how much do you feel like that is one of the most important aspects of your game? It is. It is very important. Uh, I think you know every year see who gets to hold the trophy at the end of the season it's, it's teams that can do that teams that you know don't chase many strikes or sorry don't chase many balls mm-hmm. and when they get their strikes they they put they put some hurt on it um you know pitchers they're only getting better and so the separator is always you know what can we do to to keep them in the zone um and you know every every year the teams that do it the best are the teams that are left standing at the end um it's a formula that worked over in Houston, obviously, and uh, I, I see a lot of similarities over here. 
Um, and it's, it's good. There's a lot of hope coming through. I know, you know, lately it's, it's been, it's been, it's been tough at the major league level as far as success goes, but there's, there's a lot of talent in this organization. And it's, um, and it's, it's something that fans should be very excited for. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Like on a game or a day where there is not a baseball game, I know there's few and far between at this level. But uh, what are you doing to relax when you're not playing baseball? During the season, not so much. But I really love to golf. Uh, I live in San Diego in the off season, and up, up throughout California. So uh, the weather's nice, and you know, a few times a week, I'll, I'll get my work done in the morning, and then golf a buddy or you know, my dad or. With my brother, if he's in town, and and uh, we'll go on the ra- on the range or or play eighteen. I, I love the golf. Um, yeah, I, I I'm just kind of a go with the flow guy, you know. I don't I don't have too many uh, <laughs> too many dislikes, and uh, as long as the people around me are happy, I'm happy. So, who's the best golfer in the family? Definitely my dad, but okay. my brother and I are are are, are coming to, up on him on his heels. Um, my brother actually, he's in college. He's He's a sophomore. He's a long, lanky guy. Uh, he's about as tall as me. In fact, he might be taller than me right now. I haven't seen him in a while, but you know, he's about fifty pounds, yeah, forty pounds lighter than me. But he hits it about twenty yards further than me. So he's somebody to watch out. He's he's got a lot of power in his, in his swing. But yeah, my dad's a pretty polished golfer. He's been playing for a while, so tough to catch him. I'm curious. Obviously, you don't reach the major leagues and play for ten years without having a competitive streak. Do the uh, golf matches between the family get pretty heated, or is it a supportive environment? Oh, no. Definitely not supportive. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 that's how we grew up, is we're always in competition. There's no there's no easy wins in, in the Nevin household, and that, that's, I love that about our family. It's, it's everything's earned, and uh, nothing nothing's given for sure, even if we're playing Connect Four but uh you know it's 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 a great environment it's nothing but fun uh, i wouldn't say heated but we definitely we it's competitive for sure and there's always there's always a winner there's always a loser put it that way <laughs> well we talked to your dad like i mentioned earlier this year and he uh he couldn't speak enough about how proud he was to see you get to this point in your career and i can only imagine how proud he was to see you reach the majors and i'm sure now you're you have your sights set on staying there and having your own 10-year-plus career. So, Tyler, we are certainly rooting for you on your journey and wishing you the best of luck moving forward. Uh, the Norfolk Tides do re- return home later this month, July 27th, for what appears to be something like a seven-game or six-game series against the Durham Bulls, who I do believe are one of the best teams in the minors. Uh, be sure to get your tickets to that. It's always a good time when you can make it out to the Norfolk Tides games. But, Tyler... Thank you so much for joining us this morning, man. Continued success and health to you and yours, and look forward to watching you in an Orioles uniform again sometime soon, all right? I appreciate that very much. Thank you for having me. There he goes, Tyler Nevin. Um, good kid. I mean, a lot to like and a lot to root for, not only for him, but I'm sure it's incredibly rewarding to see him reach the majors for his dad, who had such a long career in his own right. And uh, definitely a, a, a fun person to watch and somebody that we look forward to uh seeing at the next level for a longer period of time than just five at-bats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, he'll uh, get another opportunity, obviously, with uh, some of the turnover that's going to continue to happen in uh, I- at the big club. And, uh, you know, when he was up, he, he handled himself just fine. Like I said, only five at-bats, but he did draw a walk. So uh, 333 on base percentage showed a little bit of gap power with his one hit. So, uh, 
you know, and no the glo- and the gloves there. And yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting to see if he's the third base side of things. A lot of people wrote it off as a possibility, but playing a decent bit there, not exactly butchering it out there. His field possession is like 92%, which is higher than it was previous stops yeah, in his yeah. career. So it's always helpful to be able to have some versatility and move around the diamond um, and a lot to like about him, not only as a player but as a person. Seems like a really good kid. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I got that about winds down that portion of it. Uh, by by the way, coaster. you know, uh, yesterday in that little, uh, we talked about the uh, mac and cheese ice cream. Yeah, we did. Today is actually National Mac and Cheese Day. I like that better than National French Friday. Well, mac and cheese. I'm not a big pasta guy personally. I don't really care about it. It's not something that I really ever crave. But I also don't really consider mac and cheese to be a pasta dish, even though what, I know what that do it what is. do you consider it to be? A soul food dish. Okay. What? I mean, I understand okay, it's okay. pasta. I understand it's pasta, I mean, okay. but you're not going to find do mac not, and cheese. Do at you not consider pasta salad pasta? Not really. Okay. It's a cookout dish. Is it not? It's cold. Well, yeah, Jack, weigh in on this. Pasta. You're like you're a food guy as well. It's pasta. It's pasta. I understand. I mean, I mean, I'm not going mean, to argue. I don't know. I'm not going to argue that it's pasta. You're, you're, I know it's pasta, uh, but it's well, as much cheese as it is pasta. Well, I mean, true. you could put it in different categories, but it's still a pasta. Thing. It's definitely catered from, for kids. I would say. I don't oh, think okay. Now you're going to throw shade. No, I mean, I I can't tell you the, like when I when you go out to like a restaurant or something like that. I feel like it's on the kids menu. Well, then you're not going to oh, the right barbecue wait, places. Wait, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Or you can about? get it as like a side. Yeah, that's fine. A side is a dish. Right. I mean. It's a dish you that know, you have. If, you if know, mac and cheese is on the menu at a barbecue place cheese, and you don't order it, then look, you're doing is, it wrong. This is Baltimore. you got to get wings, the half and half, the mac and cheese, little peach cobbler, maybe some greens, and you're good. Oh, maybe some greens. Absolutely some greens. Well, I'm just saying. If I'm going to a barbecue place, the sides that I need to have are mac and cheese and greens. Now, baked I, beans I are delicious. You. Don't get me wrong. I love yeah. when they mix Not in the brisket I, I in there. Yeah, it, it depends you get what them, they're doing. Of course, they know what they're doing over yeah, there. Yeah, but uh, the mac and cheese and the greens are, are, are a must. I mean, they have to be. I mean, yeah. I'm, I like vinegary greens personally. Sweet, sweet greens, not my, not my cup of tea. I'd rather have the sweet greens. I'm not a big vinegary person. Well, then you don't know what you're talking about. I, I clearly. <laughs> I just think you must be mistaken then. Clearly. I mean, I will take umbrage with any place that serves macaroni and cheese and does not do a baked version of it. If you're doing mac and cheese yes. and you're doing the stovetop like creamy version. No, I'd, like, I'd it. like it in a square. Yes. Yes. I want it to be like nearly like you get a fork and you get a cup. Right, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. I agree with that. No, I it's uh, truly one of the best dishes in the culinary world. Now, I'm not going to go and order mac and cheese as a meal. Those sort of things, that doesn't do it for me. Crab I want mac a little... and cheese, no? It's still a Lobster side to mac me. and cheese. I love it. It's still a oh, side, though. Still a side. It's not going to be the entirety of my meal. I need to have something a little bit more solid to go along with it. But mac and cheese is... If it's done right, stick to your ribs. I mean, it's the best. Yeah. Truly the best. You don't eat barbecue a lot, do you, Jack? Based on no, the way you've been talking. Re- no, I don't. What's wrong with you? <laughs> what are you... What, what, why? No. I need answers. I know you're on like you're a healthy fella now, and you like to be... Conscious of the stuff that you put in your I body, mean, kudos to you. I just don't go. I just don't have like. I just it's not something that like comes into my like brain when I think of like, oh, what am I hungry for? I like barbecue. I don't know. It's just like insane. I eat barbecue on like a rare, rare, rare occasion. Truly insane. I cannot fathom thinking like that. No. Barbecue is one of <laughs> my favorite types of cuisines. It could be my like soul food barbecue could be like my favorite kind. Whether you're talking ribs, pulled pork, I like Carolina variety person. I know Glenn gives me a lot of crap for that, but I do like vinegar. I think vinegar is a very important flavor when it comes to pulled pork and greens. 
But um, like cornbread. Oh, yeah. Cornbread's really good. I do like cornbread. Come on, you yeah. like cornbread? You don't care about mac and cheese? What is this? You're a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> I truly don't understand you at all. But I guess you're allowed to have opinions, even if they are dead wrong. Um, all right. I guess we'll wind down today's show. And we will do our tidbit of the day. Tidbit of the day is brought to you by window. Oh, I did that twice already. By C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. And again, I can't mention enough just how good the Glory Days summer menu is. You can get their very berry salad, smoky thigh wings, their shrimp po' boy, a 12-ounce New York strip, barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, speaking of barbecue, uh, the combo platter of smoky thigh wings, which, you know, can't go wrong with adding a little extra to your plate, the zucchini fries or key lime pie, all of that's available at Glory Days Grill. You can't go wrong, and I really can't say that enough. So, Tidbit. The MLB All-Star Game was last night. Entertaining affair. Good times all around, yeah. other than the beeping that was going on in the background there for the first half of the game. You <laughs> caught that, didn't you? You heard that? I did, I did. Yeah, no, that was yeah. pretty awful. Uh, Shohei Otani was front and center. For good reason. He's the most exciting player, maybe not only in baseball, but perhaps all of sports, as what he's doing is something that we were pretty sure wasn't possible and would never be allowed to be done again. But, alas, he's not only doing it, he's doing it at a high level on both sides of the field, both pitching and hitting. He earned the win in last night's All-Star game. He is the first player in the modern era to start at pitcher, start in the leadoff spot, and earn the win all in the same game. Not just in all-star games, any game. Regular season, postseason, this was the first time ever wow. somebody did that. Huh. So believe it or not, that guy's pretty damn impressive. Uh, another impressive feat is the fact that uh, <laughs> catcher Mark Zanino managed to enter the All-Star game with 19 home runs and a 198 average. Yeah, I'll say that again. It's not even Chris Davis reached those heights. I don't think wow. he hit enough home runs when he was sub-200 yeah. to reach that height. But uh, Zunino did homer in last night's game. It was a shot opposite field at that. Uh, but, yeah, kind of impressive for the way we stand in baseball now. You can have guys with quality OPSs and averages that are sitting below the Mendoza line. But uh, Zunino had success in his first All-Star appearance, so congratulations to him. KZ, it brings us to our trivia. You hey, really yeah. excelled at trivia so far this week. I don't think anything has gotten wrong for you. I'm lying, of course. Shohei Otani leads all of baseball with 33 home runs. He's very good, as I mentioned he previously. He seems to be. My question for you can you name no. the players with the second through the fifth most home runs this season following Otani? No, but let's go with Tatis. 
Fernando Tatis Jr. is indeed in the top three or two. He is tied for second with 28. And there actually are going to be five names here since the fifth place players are tied here. Uh, hmm. uh, what about uh, Simeon? Trevor Simeon is a good guess. He only has 22, that bum. Oh, that's terrible. What's the bottom of this? The bottom is 24. 24. That's a lot of home runs. It is a lot of home runs. That's why they're pretty good. Um, Wow. Uh, Let's see. Who else was there last night? What does Guerrero have? Vlad Jr. is tied for second with Tatis with 28. Okay, so I got two of of five. You did? Wow, that's pretty impressive so far. So far, you're doing all right. Um, Who was the guy that hit like 12... In a row and one, he, uh, you're on the right track yeah. here, Jack. He's got to be in there. He played, I think, on the Cubs. Not it was a Cub at one point. Was, but he's no longer no, on the Cubs. He's on the Nationals, I think now. Or? Yeah, that's correct. I'm blanking on his name. He had like uh, 12 home runs in like a month stretch. Oh, uh, uh, Schwarz. Yeah, uh, Schwarz. Ka- Kyle Schwarber is correct. There go, he yeah, has a grand total of 25 following that insane. Because he's on IL, so I kind of. Is he? Yeah. Oh, well, too bad. He I still know. has a lot of home runs. He does, but he may miss some time now. But that was insane. It was. Um, what's it? Is the, the, I know the, the guy from Cincinnati now. I think he's still with Cincinnati. Has a bunch of home runs. Uh Castellano or something like Castellanos, that. Castellanos, that's a good guess. He does have a bunch of home runs, but not enough to be in this group. Um, he only has 18 for it. Oh, that is a, I mean, he's just slacking. Fewer off. than Zanino. Oh, my God. Uh, Perez, the catcher. Sal Perez, 21. So, no. Dancing around it, aren't I? You are. Um, what's our, how's Arenado doing? Uh, not as good this year, to be honest. I think he has like only like fewer than fifty. You know, really? Probably. Yeah, he has uh, struggled slightly. I mean, relative to what we're used mm. to seeing, he actually has seventeen. So not fewer oh, than fifteen. Oh well, yeah, doing all right. Uh, terrible year for leaving him. Colorado, though. You know. Yeah. Well, that that this this is this is true. Um, you always have to do that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I thought I, I think I've named the power hitters. Um, oh no, there's I still know. two more uh, on the list. Yeah. The guys with 24. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know. One of which we saw Monday night. Olsen? No. Who else did we see Monday night? That's for you to figure out, Casey. I don't know. You do know. Uh, I don't. You do? Uh, well, it's not Story. He doesn't have many. It's not. Um, he was one of the favorites. Uh, what's what's uh, Soto have? He only has 10 this year. Really? Yeah. He was hurt for a little while, but. And they still put him in the home run contest? He's pretty good. I don't know if you heard. I know he's pretty good, but usually they, they He also take knocked the off Shohei Otani, that MLB home run leader, did, so it proved did, to be a decent choice on their part. He did. Uh, does the guy who won it, Alfonso? Nope. No? Alonzo. Alonzo. Sorry. Alonzo has a paltry. did he hit like 60 two, two years ago? He had ago 53 in his rookie yeah, year, I believe. Geez. It was the record for a rookie, but he is not at the top of this list. Huh. It's kind of interesting. I didn't really at the top 25, it appears. Really? Oh, I lied. There he is. He has 17 as well. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> he's not even from Colorado. Um, okay, give me give me the last two. No. Yes. 
No. Yes, I don't no. know who they are. One of them is one of the best players in baseball. Well, it's not Mike Trout. No, it's not. Okay. But he's probably the second best outfielder in the game. Unfortunately, we'll be missing the rest of the season. Oh, uh, Acuna? Acuna is indeed at 24, despite missing a little bit of time of late and unfortunately is, missing is, time until next shame. year, a torn ACL, but definitely that, one of the best players in the game. That is a shame. And you have not named the guy who was one of the favorites for the home run derby on Monday night. Who was what? Short was memory. Otani. Uh, one of the favorites. One I of said. the favorites. Who's one of the favorites? I'm trying to think of like the rankings because they did like a seed. Um, a lot of money was put on this guy to win it. Maybe by Darren Ravel, for all I know. As if you care. He's been a he's been a little bit of a thorn in people's side. Yeah, understand. He normally is. Yeah. I I I I already out of my mind who was in the home run derby contest. I didn't put him I didn't put him on my list, so I didn't I didn't bet on him, so I don't remember. Sorry. Joey Gallo. Oh, Gallo, yeah. Has 24 to his name. One of the prolific power hitters he in is a, He game. is a good power hitter. Just once again showing that KZ has a terrible memory. Uh, no, it shows that KZ hasn't really paid attention about <laughs> baseball this year. Well, <laughs> there you have it. There's are the top six home run hitters so far this year. All right, moving along here. Totally tubular. Totally Tubular is brought by Grade Eights Memorabilia. Coming up Sunday, July 25th, celebrate the return to training camp with the Crab Feast featuring Jimmy's famous seafood and Baltimore edge rusher Tyus Bowser. As for $108, you get a Crab Feast with Maryland steamed frags, a buffet of Jimmy's seafood favorites, an open bar, your VIP meet and greet, an autograph opportunity with Tyus Bowser, and the event goes to benefit Casey Cares and cannot be missed. So get your tickets now by going to grade8memorabilia.com. That's the number eight. Great Eights memorabilia.com. All right. On the tubular side of things, I'll start with the non sports because I still need to pull up the sports section, full disclosure. But non sports, I think the thing people are most excited about, and for good reason, it's been a very good show so far, is Loki. This is the finale of Loki streaming on Disney Plus as it will be uh, interesting to see how they wrap things up. It's probably been, in my opinion at least, my favorite of the Marvel sitcoms, or I guess they're not sitcoms, shows that are on Disney+. Plus. So that wraps up episode six streaming now. Also on the non-sports side of things, we have... Uh, Mr. Inbetween, 10 o'clock on FX. Dave, 10 o'clock on FXX. Crank Yankers, if anyone's still into that program, is on 10.30 on Comedy Central. Uh, on the late night front, you've got Chris Bosch is on ABC for Kimmel at 11.35. Of course, they have the game prior, so they'll probably run a little after that. Uh, Fallon has Don Cheadle, nominated, nominated for an Emmy, I believe. Uh, Colbert, Mindy Kaling. Uh, Quest Love's on Seth Meyers. Love Quest Love. Uh, stuff and things all in that regard. Uh, for sports, obviously, as previously mentioned, Suns Bucks Game 4, 9 o'clock on ABC. ESPN is the WNBA All-Star Game as Team USA 
faces the WNBA All-Stars. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but it sounds interesting. That's at 7. E60, Murder in Memphis at 9 o'clock. Fox Sports 1 has some Gold Cup action in the CONCACAF side of things with Trinidad and Tobago against El Salvador. And as Glenn likes to say, it's kind of unfair. El Salvador has to play both Trinidad and Tobago. But here we are. At 9.30, Guatemala and Mexico square off. Uh, Probably over by now is stage 17 of the Tour de France. That started at 6.30 a.m. This morning. And then TNT had AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest night one uh, at 8 o'clock. No idea what that means, but that's at 8 o'clock. They like to name their uh, weekly show. Oh, how about that? Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. And make sure you guys have this on your calendar as the PGA Tour's top 70 golfers are coming to Baltimore to compete in the 2021 BMW Championship at Caves Valley Golf Club. Secure your tickets at bmwchampionship.com. That just about does it. For our program, I will remind everybody once more, get out to your local Glory Days Grill and be sure to try the unbelievable items on their new summer menu. You truly cannot go wrong. So check it out. There's Glory Day Grills. They're all around the state, and they're all fantastic. Well, that'll do it from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. Thanks to our guests this morning, Susie Petrocelli, for an inspiring story about her Fight for equitable pay for women's soccer players. Of course, Anthony Tark talking about his preparation for the 2021 NBA draft. And then lastly, Tyler Nevin, Norfolk Tides and Orioles prospect, for his discussion about making the majors and making it back to the majors as he continues to push forward in his pursuit of a long career like his father. Uh, Thank you to KZ for your time, as always. Thank you to Jack for sticking it out and telling us about all the youth and their stories and uh, one and a half million dollar sales of video games. Uh, Thanks to our sponsors and partners, U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, KNS Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Grade 8's Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the BMW Championship, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, and your local Toyota dealers, and buy a Toyota Com. New episodes of Jobbing Out are available in the podcasts tab at Pressbox Online. Uh, on tomorrow's show, as I mentioned prior, Sarita, the NFL chick, Hubbard will be joining and sit us in, sitting in for the 11 a.m. hour. I think we're going to chat with the Batarounds' Zach Watson and get his thoughts on the MLB draft for the Orioles and see how he feels, if he shares our disappointment or whether he's, he's yeah. a pretty optimistic kid. I think he might yeah, be yeah. willing yeah. to spin it in a positive yeah. way. So that'll be good. We'll have a little bit of positivity surrounding the MLB draft, which I will reiterate, I really don't know anything about, and any negativity is just based on preconceived notions. So it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, that'll do it. Thanks, to everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.